Cinemodities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week's episode of One of Wonder Shows of Cinemodities is brought to you by Test Tube Coffins for your test tube babies, Total Race War Live, and the Save the Mushroom Cloud Foundation, which you at home can donate to by making a check directly out to either myself or Zach. So, in this fifth episode of our sketch comedy fort month, we felt what better way to, or I guess I should say Rob felt, what better way (laughs) to bring us back into the sketch comedy fort month not only for the last four episodes, the second half of it, um, but to maybe reacclimate our listeners to, to the kind of things we're discussing. We are still, of course, going in chronological order, at least for the eight that we're discussing. And when we finished off Chappelle's show uh, last week, uh, this, this actually began Wonder Showsen right near the start, at where, or right near the end of Chappelle's show, ran from 2005 to 2006 on MTV2. And... I guess we're going to have to give some context to this, right? Because I'm pretty sure anybody who knows about Wonder Shows, and the only reason they do is because of either Rob or Zach, or, uh, I don't know, some type of childhood memory that they might think now was just a fever dream? Is that a good way to put it? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I have to say that uh, Wonder Shows, as we're discussing it, it is the most recent thing I've found or I've come into contact with um, in terms of sketch comedy. It really wasn't until, what was it, about a year? A year or so ago now, Zach? You said, hey, Rob, you wrote a TV show. And I went, I did? And you said, yeah, it's called Wonder Shows and I just sent you the first episode. I watched the first episode. I loved it. I downloaded the rest to get all 16 episodes and I just binged it. I've watched it multiple times over and I knew we had to discuss it. So, I guess, since even though I should say Zach was the one who introduced me to Wonder Showsen, he only watched the pilot. Is that correct? You've on, prior to this recording, you only saw one episode of it? Si, senor. So, I have to ask, now that we're away from the Amanda Show and Chappelle's show, we're back in good old unknown territory for Zach. What are your thoughts on these five episodes of Wonder Showsen that we watched? Did you watch them twice? Did you watch them five times? <laughs> I want it on record, folks. You are talking to the creator of Wonder Shows and right now. <laughs> Rob, the, the name Rob is an alias that we use so he can hide his identity. We're finally breaking down the wall. You are talking to Vernon Chapman right now. I want everybody in the audience to know. Rob is Vernon Chapman. I, uh, so that, I guess we, to give that context, when Zach sent me this originally and said, Hey, Rob, you wrote a TV show. Um, I took that to mean... I mean, I might, I'm not saying Zach's theory is wrong. I might be Vernon Chapman. I've never met him. Nobody's ever seen the two of us in a room together at the same time. So, you know, there really is no definitive proof of that. Um, but I do have to say, I took it originally as Zach saying, this is your, like, you're going to love this, Rob. Like, you're going to love watching this. And he was correct. I do thoroughly enjoy watching this. We're going to talk about um, a lot of the insanity that I enjoy in this show. But I do have to say that in Wonder Showsen, there is some stuff that I think I would have needed a teammate or a partner to come up with. Like in the pilot episode, when the letter N gets pregnant because it has sex with the letter S, I believe. Like, that—that that is not something I think I would have done right off the bat. 
Now, you want to jump ahead, you know, however many years later to Shivering Truth. That's where we're getting more of the straight Rob ideas, I think. <laughs> We'll get to that, though. Don't worry. Zach and I, well, I guess more I, I think, have been trying to do a bonus episode on that forever. <laughs> Pretty much since, like, what, December? Rob's been pushing for the bonus episode on Shivering Truth, and I keep since, delaying yeah, it. Since I watched all of it, yeah. I've just been like, we need to discuss this. But I'm glad that we're starting with Wonder Chosen, because I think, of course, you know, you can you can see the, the commonalities between them. So, that being said, Zach, you think I'm Vernon Chapman. I might be. We don't know. You were hit that you hit the nail on the head. I thank you always for introducing me to this great stuff. I start, I come to love, but we got to know what did you think of this hour and forty five we watched of Wonder Shows and for this recording. Don't don't pull me punches, Zach. <laughs> oh God, Wonder Shows in the best way to describe it, I would say, is to view to watch Wonder Shows in is to stare at the sun. <laughs> okay. The more okay. you look at it, the more you will go blind. And I don't, I mean that in the most, oh God, best way possible. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a hallmark of uh, this whole fort month of of sketch comedy. Zach says something and goes, in the best way possible. (laughs) No, because this is something like, I would say this is so far removed from the sketch comedy series. Because I wouldn't even put this anywhere near anything else we've ever talked about. Forget about sketch comedy, but on this podcast in general. I, I agree with you there, and I believe that's part of the reason I wanted to include this in the sketch comedy fort month uh, is because it is it is technically considered sketch comedy, and certainly I think you know there's sketchy aspects of this that Zach and I cannot disagree with, where that you certainly get that style, but there is definitely something about this that almost not I don't want to say transcends sketch comedy because that means you kind of went you like passed through it to get to something higher. This truly is in kind of its own unique category in terms of you're right what we've discussed on cinemodities and and that that we have to discuss this Zach we have to because I'm sure we're gonna have some huge splits in this episode. I'm sure we're gonna have some things that you know are very difficult to explain over this audio medium, but we're gonna give it a shot. <laughs> Yeah, because this is like, like I don't, again, I've known this show was just bizarre since like the first time I ever saw it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we'll get into context in a minute or two, but like as I again, I watched that pilot episode again, like it was like over a year ago, and I was just kind of astounded by how just kind of just again, like bonkers isn't a strong enough word. Like there really is. Again, I'd say the best way to describe this is that it's it's avant garde. Yeah, it's not. Yes. This is like we talk about like bonkers and things like. Yeah, I know I was praising Dead Alive like a month ago, but this is like there is nothing like this. This is, yeah. and even though like maybe in a weird way it has so many different elements because as I was looking on Wikipedia, they have this list under like five or six different genres, and mm-hmm. a lot of it is like like a satirical, like because uh, satirizing like child's or children's television, and I think that's just kind of like. The, the the oh god like the bedrock but there's so much more to it than just that yes yes i agree absolutely and i think that that's actually somewhere i wanted to start with this discussion because yes we'll have to talk about the episodes we watched um but really you know once i found out once zach sent this my way and i and i got all the episodes i watched all the episodes you know i loved it i would rewatch it i would show it to some people I, I remember, you know, I had some people in from uh, from Pennsylvania visiting me out here in Colorado. I was like, we have to watch an episode of the show. You've never seen anything like it. 
Um, we sat down. It was maybe four or five of us. We all watched one episode. I don't remember which episode it was. Um, but basically when it was over, everyone but me was like, I never want to see that again. <laughs> so I, when I, when that happened to me and I got a lot of kind of mixed reactions from people watching this and stuff like that, I really wanted to do some more digging into, well, what the hell is this show? Because there's a clear distinction between this and the shivering truth where, and I know we've said it plenty of times on cinemodities before, there's things that we watch, we talk about. And we come to the conclusion, we think something is there, we just can't grasp it. And of course, we've discussed, you know, is that the fault of us? Is that the fault of the creators? Whatever. I think the shivering truth, you, it's clear. They're trying to say something in mired in ins insanity as it is, you know, and in the insecurity episode where the insecure shadow is like oozing sauce from his hand. There's something there. We don't know what it is, but there's something there. As far as Wonder Shows and goes... I, I don't, I've never known what's there. And so I wanted to dig a little bit more into what was their goal with this show? Like Vernon Chapman and John Lee, the, the two creative forces between this, like what, what did they want? And that's where I want to start, Zach, with what is Wonder Shows in, at least according to John and Vernon, John Lee and Vernon Chapman. So I did some research. Are you excited for this? <laughs> I think if you read the same interview article as I did, I think I know where you're going with this. Okay, okay. I read a, I read a few, and um, and I think the one the one that I wanted to start with uh, is specifically about their interest in comedy. And uh, apparently, these two guys, Vernon Chapman, John Lee, um, they talk a lot about how they were always intrigued with the, the some sense of comedy that was flipped. And when I say flipped, I, that was my own word. I took what they were saying as flipped because they said they would do something with an incredibly long, tedious, drawn-out setup, and it would all lead to a climax and a crescendo for a joke that feels like a letdown. They love this. That's their shtick, it seems, where they want you to watch something and then just be like, oh, that's it? That kind of thing. And in the same interview, if this is the one Zach read, the interviewer hears them say this and they go, ah, is that a commentary on the entitlement that people who consume entertainment feel? That when they get entertainment, it should be worthy of their time. And John Lee and Vernon Chapman both basically say, no, that's not what it's about at all. It's about if you're going to be obnoxious to your audience, don't dress it up in pretension. Just own it. So that's really what this show is. They are they're like, we want to be obnoxious to our audience. They go on to talk about how while this show was airing on MTV2, they felt in constant fear that the show was going to get canceled at any minute for, you know, a slew of reasons, I'm sure. So they decided to do as much as they could as fast as they could. And I think another hallmark of the Cinemodities podcast is we've discussed many things that exist because no one was there to say no. And that is exactly this show from what I've read where they were basically like, hell, we're going to get fired soon. So let's try. Let's see what we can get away with. And they got away with pretty much everything. There are some examples of things that MTV made them uh, made them change and stuff like that. Um, and we can probably get into those a little later on because some of them are interesting. Like, apparently one of the only sketches that got cut from an episode of this was when they had, like, a kid with a shotgun shoot a crucifix. But apparently they gave this, they gave this to the executives of MTV the day before Dick Cheney shot that dude in the face while he was hunting. So they were like, yeah, we're not going to air this. 
<laughs> so so I think that's the best way to frame this. If you if you've seen Wonder Shows and if you've never seen Wonder Shows, and I think it's it's pretty much on record that they were just, hey, we think this is funny. Let's put it into a TV show. And that's all it is. I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. I think it's unique for what we've discussed on Cinemodities. But I'm glad now that we have that kind of base where, you know, like, say, the hobo op sketch, where it's all the, the Vietnam War vets or whatever trying to, like, steal cans or liquor or something in, like, a G.I. Joe parody. That's not some big commentary on the homeless. That's not big, some big commentary on PTSD. That's just them saying, hey, we think this is funny. Let's animate it. So that's that's kind of the framework I think we have to discuss a lot of this in, Zach. Would you agree? I, I read one interview they did, and I have to say Vernon Chapman came across as a man with um, schizophrenia. Because like he's being interviewed in the article, and he's just like throwing out like non sequiturs things like that, mm-hmm. and you have to really like know how to like translate it, which I barely I think I could do. Okay, and I think the best way to describe this show is that it's like Salvador Dali esque. It might be the closest mm-hmm. thing to we get to art that has maybe a meaning because I do think there's a meaning to all this. I don't think any of this is arbitrary. I don't think this is box Lux esque where it's just like, okay, somebody has a vision. They're just not communicating it properly. I think everything here is here for a reason. I'm not saying there's some sort of like, like grand social commentary hidden under layers of just avant-garde satirical children's programming. It's, it's just I, again. I think it, again. This is like staring at the sun. That's how I felt. Because usually when it comes to something like this, I would want to rewatch it again to grasp it all, and I couldn't bring myself to do it. Not because I didn't enjoy. It. I was thoroughly engrossed in all this, mm-hmm. but I could not like. Wa- I, this is one of those things where I watched like two episodes and I had to take a break for like a half an hour. <laughs> this, this isn't like Aristocats where like, I just wanted to kill myself So I had to put Death Wish on this or, like, or the I, Amanda show for me where I just couldn't handle it Or I didn't want to watch it This was more of like you felt the OD coming on Yes it, I, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was tripping man I was peaking And I had to take a couple steps back and that cool. it really started to hit hard When like we have the reverse episode Where we get halfway through and we reverse the episode I was. I just want to let you know, Zach, that when I did the intro for this with the, you know, this week's episode is brought to you by, I was really tempted not to do that and go, patience, and then draw it out even longer in the edited version. <laughs> what is patience? Little people know we're gonna stop this recording at the hour mark and just play it backwards for another hour. Yeah, um, well, yeah, we have to talk about that because that episode has the great line of "backwards makes wrongs go right." <laughs> and if you've ever wondered why at the end of every Cinemodities episode we play something in reverse, you finally have your answer. <laughs> Folks, I told you he's Vernon Chapman. He's been doing this all along. He's, maybe, <laughs> maybe Rob's like some sort of like bipolar disorder, and that's his alternate personality. That's his alter ego. And he did oh, like I'm like I'm going into fugue states and I'm not remembering me as Vernon Chapman. I, I think so. <laughs> well, if that's the case, I'm very happy I can get as much enjoyment out of my own work. <laughs> well, I, well, why wouldn't you? That's exactly you're making yeah, it just yeah. for you. <laughs> Personalities have a lot more in common than we think. Oh, uh, but getting back to uh, Wonder Shows and is like more of a con- like a broader concept is that like 
that's the thing I find fascinating with this is that this is this is the first. I know I've talked about like how Under the Skin was the first movie that made me like 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 oh this is like the heir to Eraserhead, mm-hmm. and then like as I was watching this, I got that same Eraserhead feeling. Whereas I don't particularly like this, but I am inherently um, engrossed and I want to know more. Sure, and I was sure. very disappointed that like I went looking for stuff on this and there's not a lot of like behind the scenes information on this. Yeah, that's what I think I was really bummed about because I really wanted to dig into some of the, you know, some of the 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 uh, concepts and really just, you know, how how did it say this stuff get built up? And yeah, it's just a few kind of interviews with with them and that's it. And I think it, much like Eraserhead and how like David Lynch has deliberately gone out of his way to keep most of that film's making and the backstory and his thought process behind it a mystery. Mm-hmm. I think unintentionally that's what's happened with this, where this shows this in this. It was also in a really weird time frame. I guess you should say that like in the mid two thousands, like what was popular in the mid two thousands? Like you had like what again? Not talking about culture as a whole, but like MTV was like what Viva La Bam. Oh yeah, uh, else, yeah. Wasn't that wasn't that when Flavor Flav had his show around that time yeah, period? The Surreal yeah. Life or whatever it was called. <laughs> if that's not <laughs> if that wasn't the title, that's what it should have been called. <laughs> uh, the Surreal Life with Flavor Flav. <laughs> hey kids, the show Rob was thinking of was actually called Flavor of Love, but apparently Flavor Flav was also on a show called The Surreal Life. I'm tempted to say who would have known, but apparently I did. That's where you had that sort of stuff. Like, like that was a concept. It was, it was like kind of the um, reality garbage, the stage reality shows where you're new hot button items. Mm-hmm. And how I got introduced to Wonder Shows, and I don't think I ever told Rob this story, was that it was like in spring of 2007. My parents got me, I think, one of the seasons of Viva La Bam on DVD because at that point that show was over. Sure. And because it was an MTV release, it had previews or coming attractions for other MTV releases. Yep. And that was one of them. It was a like, kid show, kid show. And I remember seeing the preview for it. And I wish I kind of had dug it out. I don't even know where that Viva La Bam DVD is. So I wouldn't even know where to <laughs> find the preview. But uh, I watched it. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And this is before I knew Rob. This was freshman. This was, yeah, freshman year of high school. So I think I went to Sal with it. And I'm like, have you ever heard of Wonder Shows? And I think he had some remark. Like, again, it was one of those typical canned Sal responses. Like, oh, I'm afraid of that show. Okay, and, that was kind of, okay. and the weird thing was like that worked sometimes for Sal because either it was something that he'd seen and genuinely scared him, or it was just that was just his blanket response when he didn't know what I was talking about. Sure. Uh, but I didn't pay that much mind to it. It was just one of, like it was weird. But in 2007, I didn't really have the means to track anything like that down. Obviously, yeah. the library wasn't stocking copies of Wonder Shows. In. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and plus, at that time, I really didn't know how to find things illegally. I, unlike Rob, I wasn't torrenting out of the womb. Um, <laughs> my my, uh, my mother's womb did not have LimeWire access. And uh, so, no, so more or less, I just kind of forgot about it. It was just one of those things where, okay. like, it was, it was and plus a lot was going on during that spring of 2007. So that wasn't really a priority, was hunting down weird media. This was before the Eraserhead era. So there really wasn't that sort of, like, thirst or uh, mm. chasing the dragon to find weird stuff. Gotcha. So I think it I think it was when we were looking for things for cinemodies back like in like February, March of 2018. It showed up, I think, on my like list of many things. And that's where I found the pilot. And again, I, I know it was weird. It, it's weird. It was one of those shows that like it never showed up. Like even when you go looking for weird things, it never showed up on any sort of list list. Okay. Which I thought was kind of just odd. It's like how did something that was on MTV for two years? Well, MTV too, excuse me. Mm-hmm. How did something like that fly under the radar? And it's like, eh, whatever. So I, I found it online. Like, it wasn't even like through a sketch. It was like, well, it was a sketchy site, but it wasn't like one of your 
typical sketchy sites. Mm-hmm. And I watched the pilot and I'm like, God, like what we already said, it's like, God damn, this is, this is Robism. This is, which, which is, which is a, which is a type of humor folks. Robism is a type of humor. And I'm like, this is, this is just like, again, bonkers for lack of a better works. I want, what's, what's the next tier beyond bonkers? I guess, it, I guess avant-garde's the next, it's, it's avant-garde yeah. humor. And that's like I remember watching, be like Rob. Like, but like, it's the thing about it, I never have an urge to rewatch it. Like, I've never had an urge to rewatch it. I want to know more about this show, but like, I, I do want to watch more of it though. But I'm really <laughs> conflicted because I just like I don't know if I can handle it, man. It's like it's like having I guess a bad trip. Like I had, sure, it's not sure. it's not even a bad trip. It's just that, like it's so powerful and intense. It's like I don't know if I can handle it again. I I understand what you're saying, absolutely. Okay, um, I'm glad you felt this way. I, I figured this wasn't going to be like an Amanda show type of response where it's like, oh my God, this is useless. Because it really is so unique and so insanely enthralling and intriguing that you're right. It's not really like you like it or you hate it. It's just kind of like this does something to me as a person and I need to know if I'm okay with it or not. Like that, that's how I kind of took it. Oh, like yeah. I said, my, my friends from Pennsylvania, when they watched it and they were like, I never want to see this again. I'm sure it was, it wasn't because they were like, that was boring. It was because they were probably like, I am way too high to deal with this. Like I need something <laughs> I can just see and laugh at, you know, I don't want to think about this and have fast paced nonsense constantly, you know, being thrown at my eyeballs and that type of thing. Oh yeah. Cause that's, that's what this is really. Cause there's just like, like even the editing, like everything about this is that again, it's so quick cut. There's, it's so, there, there's so much going on. It's hard to process it at all. Oh yeah. Because, yeah. Cause you'll like, never mind. You'll go from sketch to sketch. You'll be jokes. You won't catch. And it's just like, Oh, like, you, you won't even know when you're watching it's like what to be like, it just kind of hits you. And this is what it's yeah. funny. Cause like, cause I went to like IMDB, like most people do and looked at the trivia and the trivia is like six pieces long. There's not much there, but I looked at like the user reviews and I was expecting a lot of like user reviews for any sort of something like like a crank yankers or something else like that, where you have like adult humor, or mm-hmm. which, again, which is not what this is. This is kind of beyond even that, but you have like non-conventional humor in the guise of something that's supposed to be adolescent. Yes. And I was expecting something like that. Where like for the most part, something like Crank Yankers has positive reviews. And I looked at this and like it's almost like universal like acclaim for this. Like there's nobody who watched this who cannot like like who again, I guess if you're willing to write a review, doesn't appreciate it on some level. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I think that's the most fascinating aspect of this entire show is that like it's the idea that like I don't think anybody truly gets it. I don't yeah. think it's meant. I don't think it's meant to be gotten. Like Rob said, I think it's just let's see what we can get away with. Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. have ideas. Let's just see how much we can do. And this is the result of it. Like this is, I guess this is like we were discussing with nothing but trouble. This is nothing but trouble with a coherent vision. <laughs> yeah, not just every single idea thrown into the mix whenever it was thought of. And it's weird to have the words coherent and wonder shows in the same sentence. Definitely. But I do think this is one of those things that have like everything we've talked about when it comes to like, this could very easily have been put into the pure cinematis category. This would have been. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is, this is probably like the, the most dangerous form of cinematis. Like, this is kind of like too hot to handle. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is yeah, this is, cinematis. yeah. This is one show. I do. I do want to say that I, I feel that, um, 
the the warning or the disclaimer at the start of every episode and after every commercial break is appropriate. <laughs> like you people need to be aware that this is not a children's show. And I don't know how often that happened back in the mid 2000s. If people would be like, oh, look at this name and look at the crazy care. Like I see puppets like put, let's put my kid in front of it and walk away. But I, I've always felt that the disclaimer actually fits well by saying, like, listen, we know what we're doing. You better chill out about it, type of thing. <laughs> but that's the weird thing. Is like, I clearly that was done because, again, a, a disclaimer for mm-hmm. the studio or for the for the network. Because like, if you put this in front of a kid, they're not going to know what the hell to do with this. Oh yeah, I, I think that there's so much would go over their head or in 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 one ear out the other type of thing. Exactly. Like, where you show a kid, oh, I'm trying to think. What's something like? Oh god, I'm sure I could, nowadays it's not hard to do. But it's like back in like 2005. I'm trying to think like what's something like you. Let's say you like you have your four year old watch The Sopranos with you. Oh, okay. I I could very easily imagine like it's like a okay. Let's not say four. Let's say six. A six year old watch The Sopranos with mommy and daddy by whether it's through negligence or whatever. The kid turns it on the DVD player one day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can imagine like the kid watching Tony Soprano say something like "Get out of here, you effing whore," something yep. like that, and the kid just says, "Oh, he's saying that to like a woman that makes him angry." I'm going to say that to my little friend Janie or whatever. Something like I could very easily imagine sure. some kid. I can't imagine a kid watching Chancy find Mother Earth's lady parts box and start pelvic thrusting it and then imitating that on the playground. I just, I, <laughs> okay, I, just, yeah. I cannot imagine a kid processing that to a point where I'm like, oh, I'm going to emulate it. That Okay, you're bringing up a good point there, absolutely. And even with the, the emulation of the act or the emulation of some of the lines, not, well, I'm going to use the mother or the father nature episode as an example, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, what does she say? I'm just one ball away from being father nature. Like, no kid is going to pick up on that and no. then be like, that was funny. I need to repeat that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, okay, that's a good point you bring up. Absolutely. Like, I don't know. There the, is the, there is the, the, what's his name? The, the Black Fist character. He says, oh. Jack and Jill went up the hill and got hooked on crack and pills. <laughs> like that one, maybe because of the rhyming feature might bleed in. But I, I see what I, you're saying for sure. It's, it's not, again, like the reason why kids emulate stuff is that they can apply it to their own lives. Sure, sure. There's nothing in this show that a kid can apply to their life. There's just, it's just like the idea, like when they made the show, like, this is one of those examples I would have loved to have been in. Like, forget about the pitch meeting for like, like I know people do nowadays. Like we've talked about like Men in Black International. Yeah. Or for like, I don't know, it's another dumb movie that came out that like bombed at the box office, like Godzilla. Like, no, that's not the pitch meeting I want to see. That's called This Made Money Before. Let's see if we can make more money off of it. Like, imagine the pitch meeting for this. We're going to make a satirical, we're going to make like, like a satirical children's program based off like Sesame Street and the electric company, but we're going to make it so freaking avant-garde and surreal. No one's going to know what to make of this unless they are just like either, I don't even want to say stoned out of your mind because you have to be ready for this. This is not something that you can just throw someone into the deep end with. Definitely. This would require probably an insane level of context if you don't know the person, in order for them to even slightly even be able to comprehend or appreciate it. Okay, yeah, yeah. And the other thing, as you were talking about that, that made me think, for a kid to to possibly get to something in one of these episodes that would apply to their life and they'd be able to emulate and it would be taken negatively, the key word is they have to get to that. I feel yeah. like there's so much of the stuff that at the start of these episodes would turn off 
a, a younger or maybe not a younger brain, but any brain that is not purely ready to just absorb this constantly almost. Yeah, because again, it, again, all kids are unique. I'm not going to say that it's like yeah, one size yeah. fits all. Because I would imagine probably some kids would watch it just be fascinated by just like what the hell is this I'm looking at? Mm-hmm. Because because a lot of what Sesame Street is too. It's just like what the hell am I looking at? It's just bright colors and shapes bouncing around the screen. It's like okay, I'm entertained. Yes, yes. Um, it, it's a shiny key syndrome. You just dangle the keys long enough, and it's like okay, well, <laughs> there goes 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And th- maybe on that level, just the idea that like so much is going on, you do have things like Clarence. And you have, again, you have some of the animation stuff, but no, no kids get to sit there, grasp any of this to the point where like they would be able to emulate it and then perform it to some sort of an adult that would get them in trouble or offend another child. Okay, sure. I and think, that's, uh, we've been talking a lot about grant money recently on, on <laughs> these podcasts. So I think that's the next study we need to do is, you know, I'm pretty sure those are like war crimes or some crazy crimes where if you like you do studies on babies, you know, it's like those old from like the fifties and sixties when they'd be like, okay, we got, we got, we got six kids for some reason. We're going to make sure that for the first four years of their life, whenever they see the color green, we give them an electric shock and see what happens. (laughs) I don't think you could do any of the, I don't think you can legally do those studies anymore, but that's what should be done with wonder shows. I don't, I guess the thing about two wonder shows that like, I, I, this is one of those things like I cannot, like, I think, I wouldn't want everybody to watch this. That's the problem. Okay. Though, like in a weird way, like you'd have to, like, I think Rob might know the story. I know the audience doesn't, but like back, like with a razor head ever since 2010, there used to be like, I used to have rules. I actually think I wrote them out at one point, like four pages long. There were rules to watching a racer head. Maybe the earliest concept of a late night movie. The idea, like mm-hmm. the, the rule used to be with a racer. You cannot watch it until after it's dark out. Okay. Preferably after 10 p.m. Maybe maybe a very primitive form of late night movies, and yet like with Wonder Shows in, like Wonder Shows in doesn't have that sort of boundary because I think you can watch Wonder Shows in any time of day. Mm-hmm. I think probably nighttime probably enhances it a little bit better, but I I don't know how I I know I'm jumping the gun here with like late night movie and and cinematic stats though, but I think it's the idea of how do you like how would you even show this to someone. Like, like Rob said, you show it to people, and unless you you know a Rob or you know a Zach, there's like a 99.999% chance this is going to fall on its face. Not because of the mm-hmm. material, but because the person – it's kind of like being able to open – like you have to free your mind. Yes. You, have, you have to be in a mental capacity where you are not going to judge something on what you're just on the, on the superficial layer of it. Because if yeah. you judge this show on superficial layers, like, oh, we have a character that has cooties, and the other one peels the cooties off and then feeds them, like, in, in a snack box or makes a business at, by making them and turning them into, like, what, snack treats. Cooties. <laughs> now it's cool ranch flavor. <laughs> and then creates the cool ranch flavor by taking the same character that's infected with cooties by making the character, like, drink a bottle of ranch dressing. Drink more ranch dressing. I mean, ranch medicine. <laughs> <laughs> like, Judy's coming soon. Ranch flavored Judy's. That's like, again, Rob, how I, I know we've gone through this, but like, how would you even do, like, that's perfect. That is Wonder Shows in at its most concise. Yes. And how would you even like describe that humor? Like, that's beyond surreal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you're, you're, the point you're making is exactly, you're hitting the nail on the head because like I said, when I got, when I show this to people, I just go, Hey, we're going to watch this. 
Like, this is kind of the thing I think I've always assumed. I've never even tried on anyone be, like, telling them about it and then seeing if they want to watch it. I just show people this. Because you're absolutely right, Zach. How do you explain this? How do you explain what you're about to see for 22 minutes? You could be like, yeah, it's a parody of a kid's show, but it's going to quickly devolve away from that. Like, there's, there's no way to accurately describe this show and not have the other person be some sense disappointed when they actually see it. Because I feel like any way you can describe this show to someone, their brain is going to like come up with its own images and thoughts about what it is, and it will never be what Wonder Showsen actually is. Because that's, as we're saying, how, how unique and insane it is. Yeah. I think maybe again, like I don't, I wouldn't say devolve when it comes to the children's satire. I think that's the structure of it. I don't. I think it's it's the framework of it. Children, oh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, children I, I, I guess what I'm what I'm saying is, you know, if you if you say someone to someone like, oh, this is like, hey, did you watch Sesame Street when you were you were younger? Did you watch this, that, the other thing? And if you you know use that children's show as kind of say that's what it's a parody of, I think that's what I'm saying is just everyone's going to think something different about that. Yeah. Because like you do have things where like you have this weird sort of like again juxtaposition of something like Crank Yankers mm-hmm. or the Happy Time Murders or even like the Peter Jackson movie that I'm, like Meet the Feebles where you like you have that thing of like okay uh, puppets which are inherently a children's thing and you and you mash that with raunchiness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's what all three of those things are they're all just that's that's what they are that's that's from soup to nuts. That's what yeah. they are. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder Chosen is not that. Like, don't get me wrong. Wonder Chosen is raunchy, but that's not its intent. It's not there. To, it's not like Happy Time Murders where we have a puppet like jizzing all over the place for five mm-hmm. minutes. That's not what Wonder Chosen is trying to do. Wonder Chosen is, again, I guess it's, again, the, the idea of absurdism. I guess that's really what this comes down to is it's absurdism, but it's done to like the furthest extreme. Like, absurdism is, is bonkers on a good day. Yeah. Of the, Wonder Shows is absurdism without taking its medication its entire life. Yeah, I, I I was kind of thinking about this as, of course, in our sketch comedy series, we've saying a lot, you know, absurd and surreal. Those words come up quite a bit, but this is the one that it applies to the most. This is like, this is like a bowl of absurdity mixed with an insanity. There's an extra like, like sugar dusting of insanity and and bonkers on top and. And, you know, may- maybe some, like, vitamin C, too, is thrown in there <laughs> or pectin or something like that. Like, it's it's crazy, and I love it. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's what – and the problem is that, like, like, all those other things we've already discussed, they all are just that one aspect of just kitty show format with raunchy dialogue. Yeah. This yeah. goes – this does more than that. Where, again, yes, you do have, like, the puppet characters – Chancy being one probably the probably on the Cinemonides Mount Rushmore <laughs> it, it should certainly be up there. And like you have his, you have his little gaggle of characters. But then you have the animated segments, which are like, again range from like a GI Joe parody to Electric Company, and there's different. You'll notice different types of animation in there. Then you also mm-hmm. have the live action segments with the, you have Beat Kids. Yep, yep. Kids you'll on ha- the street. Kids on the street. Beat Kids. Bam, bam. Beat Kids and the two fists. Yes, for anyone who's never seen Beat Kids, look up just the intro when it says Beat Kids and then two fists punch the screen that say Beat Kids on the knuckles and then it says Beat Kids one more time. <laughs> kids on the beat, kids on the street, Beat Kids, Beat Kids. Again, that alone, like that, like I, and then you have things like you have Clarence going around with like his person on the street segments. Mm hmm. 
And that that's its own thing alone. And then like you have these different like formats. I, I guess this is like I guess a, you could call this almost like a variety show. I'd say more than sketch comedy, right? Yeah, yeah. With the with the aspects of some things they do, it definitely starts to bleed a little more into variety. Yep. And then like you have that like that alone would make this unique. If it if it was played straight on that level, like oh we're gonna have kids go around and ask really oh god nihilistic, a self deprecating, uh, oh, yeah. pointed questions at different businesses and just different locales. That's its own thing. The raunchy puppets, that's probably the most accessible level for most people because there's there's at that point crank anchors was around for how many years? Sure, sure. And you then you have things like again where you have more of a blend of it, like Clarence, where you do have the aspect of Kitty with and Clarence is asking them all these kind of just like questions about Lord knows what. Then you have mm-hmm. the kid dressed as Hitler going around asking people questions. And uh, it's like again, it's even as I'm like, but again, it's not just that because you also have weird editing, you have weird effects, you have weird transitions. Yep. It's yep. it's all these things that just stack on top of each other, and yet as weird and avant-garde as this show is, it all works. As I was watching this, I couldn't find a single thing that just didn't work in this. Right on, right on. I guess I was watching like Mr. Show. We talked about that. Like I thought some of the transitions in Mr. Show were clunky. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a show that's so far removed from that in most forms of television comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. And maybe it's because maybe it's not doing it well, but maybe because it's just the first one doing it that we have nothing to base it off of. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Being the first person to the table, being the first person to, to create the mold allows you any to create the rules. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and that's kind of like again, we'll, we'll get into more specifics as Rob's going to famously do uh, point point out very specific moments and go, Zach, remember that moment when Clarence's arm was bent slightly? <laughs> remember that moment? And I'll be like, No, Ah, oh, Zach, how'd you not remember that moment? Well, don't worry, Zach. I came prepared with a slew of timestamps for you to go to this week. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I actually have to say, you you are correct. That that is that is a hallmark of me. Zach knows I love to do that to pick up on these tiny details and stuff. But I think for this this episode, at least when we discuss these five episodes of Wonder Shows, and there won't be too much of that solely because Wonder Shows, and I think as Zach said, it falls right into something that I've explained, I believe, uh, with Chappelle's show and things like that. I love watching this over and over because every single time I watch it, I pick up on something new. Whether or not I didn't notice it the first time, whether or not I was, you know, either laughing or, you know, mentally questioning my own philosophy on life because of things they're showing me. I think that's a big part of it is that there's there's so much like you can't take notes on an entire episode of this. There's so much going on. You have to pause it so many times, I think. <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, because, again, I, I wanted to rewatch this because I figured, okay, I need to delve deeper into it. And I kind of realized, like, I could watch this a hundred times. Mm-hmm. All I'm going to do is just cloud my focus of it. Like, this is one of those things where I, I guess it's almost like a, uh, oh, God, one of my favorite sayings is once a philosopher, twice a pervert. It's like yep. there's there's nothing more you I, I not that I disagree with Rob, but, like, Wonder Shows, and I don't think is a show meant to be kind of, like, pick through with a fine-tooth comb. Mm-hmm. You get hit with it once, and that's all that matters. It's, I, it's sh- I agree with you there, but you better believe that that did not stop me from trying to go through it with a fine tooth comb. <laughs> well, I, I think we've established you're a pervert, so it's like oh, absolutely, I, absolutely. You're, a, you're a, a wonder philosopher. Show's a pervert. Philosopher, 
Vert, philosopher. Oh, I got. I'll, I'll think of a combined word for a that. Don't worry. Philosopher. <laughs> Pervert. Uh, a a pervilosopher, something like that. That just sounds go. like a dinosaur. <laughs> that sounds like a very sexy Dr. Seuss creature. That's an increase I'd be on Wonder Shows in. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, because that's. I guess again, that's this is. Because like, I really want, like, I know they released this line. That's another thing, too, I want to bring up. Like, we talked about it a couple of times on Cinemodies, like with Dead Alive or other things where, like, it, something's, like, rather inaccessible. Like, mm-hmm. if you like mm-hmm. if you want to, like, watch it in some sort of, like, official capacity, you have to really go, like, digging for it or yep. know kind of the, uh, the CD underbelly avenues to go find it. Yet, Wonder Shows is available on, like, YouTube to, like, rent purchase it's available on like itunes amazon i can't the dvds are still in print you can buy the official dvd brand new through amazon whoever i guess that's mtv so that's viacom they're still manufacturing the dvds for this so clearly there's a there's there's an audience that's still out there for this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I can, and I know if like you, you type because I can like anything else I do. I typed in Wonder Shows into YouTube and see if there was any sort of those like like twenty things you missed about like Wonder Shows and or yeah. Wonder Shows and what's it really about or Wonder Shows and explained. And I looked, there's nothing about this. Oh wow, there is no analysis. There's again, there might be somewhere. I just it just wasn't like in the sure. first like three or four search results pages on YouTube. But like none of those crappy channels that do like nostalgic like oh like looking back upon this. There's none of that for this. Yet, like, the slaves clip, it's like, who built the pyramid? Slaves! Who built the White House? Slaves! That has, like, two-plus, like, million views on YouTube. Oh, wow, okay. I'd be surprised if two million people have ever even heard the title Wonder Shows. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's a a good point. (laughs) And that's where I'm just like, wait, so that many people somehow just, like, I don't know how you stumble upon that by accident. How do you stumble upon that clip by accident? Unless, I guess, unless somebody's memed it, I would imagine maybe somebody's that's, memed it. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that I've seen a meme. I don't see it too often anymore. Uh, whether or not that's because I barely look at memes anymore, or it's because I uh, they stopped using it. But um, there was a meme, uh, like a picture of uh, one of the black kids from that's in this show commonly. And it's like him screaming, that's racist. And people use that as a meme for a while. So I think I think there is oh, some okay. memes from this. And the slaves one, I could definitely could definitely see people memeing that, you know, just being as like, look at this, look at this song about slavery and building all these things, you know, and just being like, ah, you know, some weird form of virtue signaling by sharing that. I guess like that's that's the thing about this show. So I, I can that, that's I don't think that's meant to be I can. Oh. The problem though is like you look at like Vernon Chapman's work, and like again he's been around for freaking ever, mm-hmm. and again he's worked for things like South Park. And considering how like if you look at his like in, like involvement with South Park, and considering how like topical South Park's gotten in the last like five to like ten years, yeah, I can't help but feel he's again not again South Park has like twenty writers now. It's no longer just like a handful of people, mm-hmm. but like I don't know if he is one of those like woke entertainment writers. And so, like, this was, like, a very primitive, like, that's another thing, too, that kind of, like, not that it scares me about this, but, like, again, like, the, what's it called, Black Fist? Is that his name, the, the Black Fist? It's something, uh, it, it's something else, it's something like that, like a play on, on Black Fist or something like that. I just okay. didn't write down the exact name, but yeah. But, like, is that a predecessor to, like, Key and Peele? 
Mm, I, 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 not, I definitely do see a good bit of key and peel. Not a good bit, some key and peel in here for sure. Because, because that's, I guess we'll get more into like when we talk about key and peel a couple of weeks. So, but like, there's a reason why I, ne- like I love Chappelle's show and I never got into key and peel. Mm-hmm. Like with Chappelle's show, it felt like The Simpsons where it was like, oh, we're all like laughing at each other. Okay. Whereas, okay. whereas something like key and peel feels more like a family guy. We're like, okay, we're making fun of one specific group of people. Mm, yeah, they and definitely that do that. We a are lot point, more often, yeah. we're, we're not all pointing fingers at everybody, including us. We're pointing at one group of people, usually the white people. And we're and not saying it's mean. I'm not saying it's mean spirited. I'm just saying that like we are it's one group of people we're targeting, and that's it. Sure, sure. And I could feel like with certain things like Black Fist or the slaves thing. Because again, like you have to look at this in the context. I think another thing people would do too is that like people would look at wonder shows in today. And considering that, like, and this is kind of the sad reality we live in now, but there's probably things even weirder than Wonder Shows on YouTube right now. Hmm. Or just or not even on YouTube, thought, yeah. but just different corners of just the internet. Yeah, Whereas, yeah, definitely. You know, there's going to be stuff out there that's always, you know, crazy and unique, uniquely strange type of thing. Absolutely. Yes, the people have obviously Wonder Shows and the Shivering Truth have a budget, so they're able to. Go to the next level where most YouTube yeah, yeah. or DIY projects are kind of stuck in a very, very, very micro budget level. But I remember, that- I remember, "Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared" got pretty popular. Did you ever see that? That's similar uh, video style to this, which is what made me think about it. It sounds familiar, name only. I don't know if that is okay. Okay, okay. But but that's like that's the thing though. Is that like you? It's I think we talked about it like during like sometime on cinematis is that like like going back to the thing of like the disclaimers for kids it's like kids can go on a cell phone now or an ipad at age four and with like one wrong click see something infinitely more bizarre than wonder shows it yes yeah definitely whereas if you were a kid like i, I can tell you I, how many I, I don't think i've ever told this story um it's one of my most i don't want to call it fine but one of my more impressionable moments was that mm-hmm. i can rob's rob's the um this, well, I don't know if Rob's a Stephen King fan, but Rob knows more about Stephen King than I do. I'm only I, a Richard Bachman fan. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that Stephen King dude. His real name's Richard Bachman. <laughs> That's a deep cut for you Stephen King, Richard Bachman fans out there. <laughs> uh, there was a Stephen King like book cover, and Rob might remember it. It had to be one of his like nine, 90s or 80s books where it had like a bull cow person like on the cover. Oh, yeah. Okay. People, someone out there is going, aha. Yeah. And I remember, because my mother had, in my room in Florida, I guess you say I had, like, a, like, my parents, before they had me, like, my room was, like, like a library. I had, like, this legit, like, bookcase in my room. I don't think there's a lot of pictures of it, sadly. But um, this big bookcase, and, like, one of the shelves, my mother had all the Stephen King books. And for whatever reason, they always freaked me out. I just mm-hmm. don't know why I didn't. I, I never read any. I, I didn't read any of those books or see any of his movies. But they always freaked me out. And on that cover of the book, there was this this bull cow thing. And I could sw- I know for a fact I saw it. it. Was on. There was something on TV, and they had it on TV, and it scarred the ever freaking living daylights out of me. Like, like it drove me. Like, like it was like, oh, I'm not sleeping for a week. It was like a very early form of a racer head. Okay, and or much like the real scary stories tape, I would hide it in the kitchen. It was kind of like that, mm-hmm. and something like that. Like with that, like again, like if you were, uh, a, if you were a '90s kid, you probably had some experience like that, where you watched something that not that you weren't supposed to, but just that you stumbled upon something by accident, and it it scarred you, or just it frightened the ever living daylights. Yeah. Out of you. 
Yeah. Sure. Nowadays, kids are inundated with that experience. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And not to bring this back to the whole thing about whether children wonder shows in, but it's just talking about like something like wonder shows and on the cultural level yeah. is that like, there are so many weird ass things now easily accessible because with the things like YouTube and internet, no one's weirdness has to be like, you have to really put some effort into your weirdness to elevate it. And that's what Wonder Shows is. Wonder Shows is weirdness that was concentrated on so much that it's elevated to the platform of, of national television cable. I, I like the way you describe it by saying that it's, it's, it's so concentrated um, because I have to agree. And I, I, I thought it was really interesting um, that there's a, there's a quote from John Lee when he was interviewed or they were interviewed Lee and, and uh, Chapman before the second season began. And John Lee says about how they created or worked on the show. He said, Vernon and I locked ourselves in a box with no light and sound to learn God's language. And it worked pretty good because that's the show. The show is broadcast live in God's language. That's actually what he said in this I, interview. <laughs> I told you, I, their interviews are insane. They are. The, they are. <laughs> I maybe like, like, is this what happens when you give people who have like some like mental condition money? Like, is this what happens? Like, it's kind of like the old saying that like you put a thousand monkeys in a room of typewriters. Yeah. Eventually, one will produce Shakespeare. Is this what you get when you have one that has schizophrenia is able to control it and refine it into something? Uh, of television quality is this is this that equivalent yeah yeah i it, it could be you know name like, one genius that isn't crazy <laughs> but like i i like that's the thing about the show is that like it's it's borderline incomprehensible and sure. i mean that in the nicest way possible yes and that's why again like, in a weird way i am frightened of the show not in the sense that it'll give me nightmares but i'm frightened to just what it like what it is because it's, again, I, I know I get very philo- uh, philosophical on here, which isn't Rob's favorite thing to do, but it's, it's, that's, I think, the only lens to look at this show. Because to look at, like, in, like, okay, the shot where Clarence goes around, asks people questions, and, and, like, there's the one guy that, yeah, I think it's in the Patience episode. It's like, please, please. And, oh, like, yep. why are you trying to contact the police? All we're asking for is patience. And it's like, sure, you can dissect that. Mm-hmm. But it's not designed to be dissected on that level. Definitely. I agree. Yep. And that's why, again, everything comes back to the, the, the philosophical aspects of this show. Because, like, I'm really tempted to go out and get the DVDs. I, am, beca- I am too, yeah. <laughs> just because I want to see, like, what is there in this. Because I know what, what Rob has sent me is, like, what, the TV rips? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I appreciate that. Because I would imagine, like, some of, like, the the commercial like bumpers of like this is not a kid show don't let your child watch this yeah or probably not in those but who knows they might be it's just like i wonder again this is one of those things where like the more and more you can delve into this in any sort of official capacity because like even i was going back to like what was popular on like mtv2 mtv2 not just mtv at large in mid-2000s mm-hmm. like it was things like the revival of celebrity deathmatch Oh, that was okay. that was big in like the summer of 2006 when this was getting like its second season. Okay. There was oh god, there was another show with like two animated. It was like two stupid dogs, but it was like like raunchy. Like yeah, that oh god, familiar. It I was think. like oh god, who's the guy who was always on the uh, the Comedy Central roast? Jeff something. Like he was one of the dogs. And like I remember like the I remember oh, I watched yeah. it, used, it used to air right after Celebrity Deathmatch. 
the only reason why I watched that because that was when I first was first was getting to know Sal. And he was big, obviously, to the claymation. So I was watching it for the claymation stuff, and that mm-hmm. would like I would tape it because it aired like at like eleven thirty at night. And I think the very next show after that was the two dogs. All I remember like the thing every single episode involved the dogs like putting like their face down and like and their and their butts would stick up, and you would see an animated dog's asshole. And, okay. like, and like every episode they do that like two or three times. And I'm like, what is the point? Like, you're just doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is one thing I can definitely say they're like it's what they are doing in Wonder Shows in, but it's not coming from a creative laziness perspective. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, and I, I think you're absolutely right. This is uh, we're in agreement that you know this definitely has to be discussed more philosophically than the actual breakdown of the sketches because I I, I definitely think there's things in here and we'll highlight them that are I think are incredibly funny to me. But a lot of it more is, like you said, it's just some weird kind of interest that you get hooked on when you watch this thing. Um, so, no, I'm with you. I think, you know, uh, I know for a fact when I picked the Patience episode, I was I do not have plans to, like, go in full detail about what we get to see in that. It's more of the idea that we literally got an episode that starts drawn out, and then it gets played in reverse, and then, the, like, the last act of the episode is the episode on speed, which gets played at, like, triple speed. And it's just the sheer insanity of that concept and actually putting it on television, which deserves more attention than the fact that, you know, we got the puppet and the old Asian fisherman going, patience, 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 patience. You know what I'm saying? It is very much philosophical. Yeah. Because, again, there are... I just cannot imagine. Like, that's the weird thing, though, is that, like, MTV... Which again started off again, obviously we know with like with music videos, but when they first started to like branch out into like other forms of media with things like Beavis and Butthead, mm-hmm. and you can get where Beavis and Butthead was this weird sort of like chicken and the egg scenario with like pop culture. It's like okay, did '90s culture influence Beavis and Butthead, or did Beavis and Butthead influence the '90s culture? Yep, yep. And you have to kind of discern like okay, where does it begin and where does it end? And yet, like, and yes, by the mid-2000s, MTV was a completely separate beast than it was during then, never mind the 80s. But you do look at that sort of thing like, okay, Jackass had already kind of came and went by that time. Uh, Viva La Bam was the big, again, it was reality show. Reality television was that big thing. So was it the whole idea of, like, they were kind of, like, flushed with cash? And it was, okay, let's just give, I I would imagine Wonder Shows didn't cost a lot to make. So let's just give these guys some money and see what they come out with, come up with. Okay. And I know a lot of times when it comes to like Comedy Central, your MTV, they'll green light a second season before the first one's even out yet, out the door. Okay. And so I think that's what happened. I think in one of the articles I read, they asked like, oh, what was like season three of uh, Wonder Shows going to be like? And they're like, well, we turned in season two, like the day, like there was a management upheaval. Mm. Mm-hmm. You read that too, right? Yeah, like, that's what I that's what I found. Basically, you know, there was um o- an overhaul of management, like Zach said, and all the new people that came in looked at Wonder Shows and looked at each other and said, "What the hell do we do with this?" <laughs> and that's and that's what I mean, though. Like I would, I, I think Rob and I are kind of like that. And it happens like Rob is clearly, I want to say, the more creative, abstract person, and I'm the commercial one, being like Rob. How are we going to do two months of sketch comedy without losing the audience? And it's like, it's and I'm like, over here like, don't think about it. Zach. It's like three months, four months. Yep, going, the yep. numbers keep going up higher and higher. 
and yet, like, I have that brain. Like, like I know, again, I can appreciate the craziness of it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I look at this and just be like, how on earth did, like, any executive look at this and be like, yeah. oh, my God, what did we get ourselves into? Because it doesn't it, yeah. do, it does not have that layer of cutting edge of the moment satire that, like, Chappelle show did. Mm, definitely, it, definitely, and even though, and even though, obviously, Chappelle Show and Wonder Shows and are are on completely two different planes of existence, you don't have that sort of like just like broad appeal, or at least the I guess ease of ease of entry, accessibility, yeah, definitely, yeah. And like you, because like, again, this is the same time period where things like oh god, it, they did the re- oh god, what's it called the oh my god, I lost it. They're doing a revival of it now on MTV, The Hills. Like, oh this is really? Just, oh wow! This, this is just when that's starting to catch on, where you have what's her name, uh, 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 Lauren. I don't remember that because from the soup, Lauren and oh, Spencer God. and Heidi, and you have all that, and that's when that was starting to take off. Where you have like, uh, what was it Laguna Beach? That was the predecessor mm. to the Hills, and that's where you have like MTV is making a fortune off people our age and older from watching Laguna Beach and then going to Abercrombie and Fitch to emulate these people. And then on like the next channel over, you have. I'm trying to think of a wonder shows and sketch that's. We I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to pick one that's like like the most like I can explain in, in two sentences or less. Uh, <laughs> Rob, insert wonder shows and sketch that's that's applicable here. Judy's. <laughs> yeah. Judy, Judy's. Oh, you have Chancy uh, looking for. Oh, you have what? Him's father dies. They look for his lost treasure. And Chancey oh, finds sure. like yeah. bottled imagination and like <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah. They they're gets, like, if this is his treasure, the treasure map to pure liquid imagination. imagination. And, they, and then he goes, they're like he says something like, you know how much pure imagination, you know how much the corrupt US government would pay for that? <laughs> Probably like five hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, that again, that's until the Santa is like, like any other show. They would have written that line and been like, aha, we got it. And that like the entire episode would have been centered around that line. Yep. And yet that yeah. is just one line out of like hundreds in this show that just blend together with everything else. Yeah, because th- there's no break for an applause. There's no break for you to think about, you know, that statement. I think the immediate next thing we see is like the little cartoon ship like swimming or uh, sailing in the water, like an overhead shot, like the Indiana Jones, it shows you like the red dashed lines behind the ship as it's traveling. And then it cuts back into the ship and our characters are fighting one of the big red bars in the ocean. So it really is just like, and what we just described, all of it happens in like a span of six seconds. <laughs> well, that's, it's, it's fun. I want to get back to the MTV part though, but like with the red, the red like dot, I think we've all seen movies. I think the, the most, obvious example of that or the most recognizable is like indiana jones there's always yeah. a part in indiana jones movie where he goes from locale a to b to c and we see the plane with like the red line and the red dotted line mm-hmm. and yet this is an example of before it became popular before deadpool ruined it meta humor yep yep and yet again wonder shows is another one because like, like if you were doing meta humor in like the early 2000 mid two, early mid 2000s you were on kind of like before the curve when it came to like how popular stuff would be. Yeah. Obviously, there's an argument to be made that like like Ferris Bueller was one of the first mainstream examples of meta humor, um, and that was more like what fourth wall breaking than what the term yeah. meta would show up. Mm-hmm. But that that was kind of like and think about it, Wonder Shows in for the most part is not really meta. No, no, it's I, not. I would definitely would not think of it or describe it to somebody that way. Yeah. 
and that's another element because like a lot of times we'll look at things and be like, oh wow, look at how meta this was for a time, for for its time, and we'll grant it like brownie points based on that like metric. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yet it doesn't do it again. That's the weird thing. It's like I wonder like twenty years from now when like Lord knows where where the culture will be then. But I wonder if we'll look back at wonder shows in the same way we'll look back at something. And I'm trying to think of something that was like kind of like really meta in the two thousands. And we'll be like, Oh wow, this kind of like paved the way for this. And I don't think so. It's, it really is in its own way, kind of like the eraser head of, of cable television. It like, <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's its own thing, regardless of what anybody does afterwards, it will always be its own thing. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's in a weird way. It's avant-garde experimental nature is so profound. It almost, <laughs> especially in a culture that's so, oh God, everything is so derivative. Yeah, Wonder Shows is almost it's it's, oh God, it's prohibitively, or I guess I would say it's it's impossibly. Oh God, I'm trying to write where to say this. It's. <sighs> Okay, for lack of, for the I'm going to use the layman's terms, it cannot be, it can't be taken apart. Like it cannot be taken apart and rebuilt. Because like I can very well imagine some again, Key and Peele is very obviously an extension of Chappelle's show. Mm-hmm. Someone at Comedy Central watched Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele was like, "We got it again. We're going to capture lightning in a bottle again. We have black comedians doing." Uh, uh, topical humor that stems at least partly from race relations. We mm-hmm. got it. Sure. There's no, I, yeah, let's say you have some insane, I don't know, let's say Netflix. Netflix is drunk on power right now in, in, <laughs> in money. I cannot imagine any executive at Netflix being like, let's do our own version of Wonder Shows. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Because nothing else out, nothing else out there is like it. And according to them and, and the research, I'm sure nothing is showing that we need anything like it. Yeah, it really is. It's 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 there's and that's why I think it's fascinating about this creating something so unique you could not duplicate it if you tried. Mm, mm-hmm, absolutely. And, and I think that might be like we always talk about like defining what a cinematic is. That might be the best way to phrase it. Something oh. that would be impossible to duplicate. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting for sure. Because that, because I know we've, we've kind of like I know a couple times, and it's more my fault than Rob's. Is like I've said things like, "Oh, Dead Alive," like even though like obviously Dead Alive is like closer on the spectrum to that new definition we've just coined mm-hmm. than something like I don't know, um, Claws. Like I think Claws in the show, sure. right? Claws is a cinematic for is a cinematic for a completely separate reason than something like Wonder Shows and or Razorhead yeah. will be. Both are cinematic oddies, but you could very easily make a you could duplicate claws overnight. Oh yeah, it's yep. not hard to make trashy television. But <laughs> case in point, Euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> Euphoria. They, they removed Stylized. a nail. They removed a nail salon and put in a high school, and they they took out the nail salon from claws and put in a high school, and that's how they got Euphoria. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's. I think that has to be added to like the lexicon of cinematics. The podcast is uh, a cinematic something that cannot be duplicated. It's impo- impossible to duplicate. Okay, so are you are you pitching to me right now that our two year extravaganza episode will be literally going through everything <laughs> we've ever discussed and reapplying this new definition to our spreadsheet? <laughs> I know. I, okay, looking at the cinematics, so everything's getting an asterisk, Zach. <laughs> We're indeterminate on a whole new uh, column now. <laughs> no, but no, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I think we have different um, 
different layers and levels to our cinemodities, which I think we've talked about, you know, some, maybe not explicitly, more implicitly sometimes. But, but I think if I'm understanding you correctly, that this one is, you know, you said earlier where this is almost a pure cinemodity. This is something like a pure cinemodity, and it has its very specific pure cinemodity reason for it. Whereas in when we talked about things like, you know, Dead Alive, like, oh man, you know, we loved it, we enjoyed it. It, it had its own reasons for being a pure cinemodity. And this kind of falls into its own category. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And I okay. think, I agree, I think, yeah. And I think in a weird way, like I think what they say, uh, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Mm -hmm. I think uh, uh, aversion to imitation is the highest form of, oh, God, um, cre oh God creativity. Sure, sure. Yep. Because you, you can't reinvent the wheel. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's what it is. It's kind of like a lack of duplication shows that, like, okay, we, this thing is that even though if it's something very specific in the case of Wonder Shows and or Eraserhead, it's the idea like we're, you're never going to be able to outdo these two things and what yeah. they try to do. You can always, someone can always try to make another Dead Alive and say, mm -hmm. let's be very slapsticky about zombie shenanigans. Would it would it flow together as well as Dead Alive? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Will it have kind of like the lighthearted sensibilities of that film? No, but you could certainly attempt it and get probably pretty close. Sure. Yeah. There's, I, like I said, yeah. as, as, uh, oh God, as, uh, worshiper, I don't want to say worshipers, as, oh God, what's, what's less than worshipers but higher than students? What are we saying this for? I think I need to know. Are we I saying about cinematodies or this show or Wonder Shows? It's kind of like Wonder Shows or Race. Like it's like you don't want to say we worship Wonder Shows because that's not true. Sure, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like we're more than just like studying it in academic sense. Yeah, I yeah. guess so acolytes. Of acolytes. Yeah, of, I was going to uh, say something like that. I was thinking, um, you know, we give it praise, like. Uh, we have a little um, a tabernacle to wonder shows in, in the corner of our apartments. That's what I'm thinking, you know? Of the, re of the restaurant. A and our apartments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I, that's that's the thing, though, is that like I, I think as acolytes of wonder shows in, yeah. like if someone, like we joke about our research money and our funding by Mark Cuban, like if someone can touch, like Zach and Rob, here's $2 million, make like Netflix wants you to make your own version of wonder shows in. I don't think Rob and I would, like, not that we would try, but it would come across as a carbon copy more than it would this does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we would not be coming at like a perspective like, oh, this is like a cynical cash grab. We're just doing this to like say we did it. We wouldn't JJ Abrams Force Awakens it. Like, oh, we love this thing, but we're only working on it so we can put our own like flavor of it or mm -hmm. our own stamp mm -hmm. on it. We're not doing that. It's like we would try to do something unique and different. Yet it's just I, I guess it really is that sort of like creative genius. Yeah. Yeah. It's all or yeah, it's like a or perfect insanity. Perfect storm that got this created. Yeah, creative insanity. Absolutely. <laughs> you have you have great uh, creative uh, insanity. You have Salvador Dali, Al uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky, <laughs> and Vernon Chapman. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh Jodorowsky. <laughs> I wonder. I, you know what would be really fun? You know we were like talking about like I think did we talk about that during the Jodorowsky's dude episode? We're like imagine like showing like Jodorowsky like different things and like watching him like get upset over it. Like would somebody yeah. like Alejandro Jodorowsky if he watches? I would imagine he'd get this right, or would he dismiss it because he'd, he'd he'd see it as an infringement on his type of uh, oh, thought that's process. That's really interesting. I don't I don't know. I don't know if I could say for sure. 
But that that's geez, we need all the grant monies. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, that's a really interesting question, and I don't know if I have any. Like, yeah, how would somebody of that mindset respond to something like this? Absolutely. Because even like that's the weird thing too. Is like I like someone like Joe Dorowski, I would imagine would probably dismiss it. I would imagine someone would be would be threatened by it and be like, "There's no, there's no, there's no sense to any of this." Okay. And then like you think of someone like David Lynch, who would I don't know if he'd dismiss it because I think he respects artists in any way, shape, or form they come mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. But he'd be like, "Oh, like this is too raunchy. Like this is like again, maybe if they tone down the raunchiness of it, oh, then sure. maybe." Uh-huh. And that's where it's like I'm then trying to think like who else is like who else is in Hollywood who's like prolific and like like has notoriety like what David Cronenberg would be next sure yeah but even he's become like too mainstream at this point (laughs) and and that's and like that's why I mean those like you have like again David Lynch Alejandro Jodorowsky. and like who else like would you put in that same even though I think you and I don't like Jodorowsky. I think he is someone that would be in the same ilk as someone like Vernon Chapman. Yeah, that that's a really interesting question. How do we get all of these people on the podcast at once? <laughs> oh god. I mean, it's some sort of like nutso like film festival. It's like insanity <laughs> film festival in some like weird like European like city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the movie theater is like a giant like uh like oh my god, oh, like god. a cage of catch bunnies in. Like you put like a little carrot in there, and once they're all in there, you put like some weird movie and we pull the cage and it's like aha. We got you now. Here's Perfect. Wonder Sozin. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, that's good. Token philosophy on uh, the Cinema Oddities podcast. Perfect. Perfect. Um, did you, I know you said you wanted to, did you get back to uh, about the MTV? Oh, MTV. Yeah, MTV. yeah. But, okay, so getting back to, like, again, like, okay, think about, like, what's watching MTV in, like, 2006. Yeah. People like Rob and I are, like, what, four, 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And... Think about what's watching MTV. You have like again 12, 12 to like twenty five year old females and a lot, probably a lot of boyfriends. Not saying some boyfriends didn't like Laguna Beach, but I think it's fair to say that the the, the prime demographic of Laguna Beach and the Hills was probably women. I yep. don't think that's being sexist or anything. That's just and a fact. So, <laughs> yeah, and so like you're switching through the channels at like ten o'clock at night. And do we know what time this aired? I imagine it probably was at night, but do we know a time? I couldn't find an exact time, but in some of the interviews I read, they definitely talked about, or like the setup of the article would be like, you know, it, it aired late. That's the best I could get. Okay. So, like, I can't imagine, like, somebody's just flipping through MTV and they figure, okay, oh, there's an MTV too? I didn't even see the first one. <laughs> and, like, they see that, though, and, like, they turn it on, because they see puppets, considering that everybody our age, is, again, everybody's juvenile, everybody has an adolescent mindset. Like, what would the 16-year-old boyfriend-girlfriend couple think of this? Because obviously this wasn't being made for 40-year-olds. Yeah. I, it definitely seems like it would be some type of a, uh, a turnoff, you know? Like, just if you watch some of this and, it, and it's this quickly paced and this kind of bonkers and insane, it might just be like, oh, please change the channel, you know? I went from, I went from music videos that are easy to understand to watching The Hills, which is easy to understand, to this, which is so... You know, out of left field, I guess, like it needs to be changed. So I would imagine that if they're watching the channel for the the primary programming of that channel, if you want to call it that, that this isn't going to be something that's going to keep their attention, get their attention or keep their attention. Yeah. And that's what cause I keep trying. Okay, I know I think I talked about this 
what episode was it? Was it? I think it was like what the triple to Belleville episode. I'm like, what would my like? I think I said I wanted yeah. to watch because again, I did I did cross paths with the show like 12 years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm like thinking of the alternate timeline. I'm doing a Doctor Strange from Infinity where I'm constantly wiggling around with my green like space cloud. And I'm trying to figure out like what what would have happened in that alternate universe where Wonder shows in is my first introduction to this bizarre world than Eraserhead. And I'm like, what what does the future look like in that world? Yeah. And because at that same time, like I was again not to get too far into my what was going on during the spring of 2007, but like I was like at that point in my life starting to flesh out who I was. Like a lot of like mm-hmm. who I am now was kind of defined in that time period of my life. And I'm trying to think if I watched that then. I would have shown it to Sal. And I don't know if Sal would have rejected it or not. Because Sal obviously glommed on to Eraserhead the same time you and I did. Yep. But would he have glommed on to it then? Because by the end, by Eraserhead was, I guess we should say for the context, folks, like Eraserhead came at the very end of high school. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like there was like two months of high school left and then that was it. So it was kind of the idea <laughs> of like no one was like there wasn't like, OK, how is this going to affect things going forward? Or how is this going to be? Like, I remember, I don't think we ever told this story like when this is when rob and i were first getting to know each other it was like i think i was passing around the american psycho dvd at high school Do you oh yeah that? yeah I, yeah definitely i watched that <laughs> only watched that movie once and it was when you gave me the dvd and i remember like the next day i saw you in school i gave it back to you i was like zach the feed me a stray cat part of this with the atm was fantastic <laughs> but that's because i get okay, context to this folks was that like in the spring of 2008 this is a year after the wonder shows and thing was that like there was this kid in my biology class and he was like a super duper popular kid i think rob might remember him his name was ethan something i remember rob told me he went over to his house once and the kids like yelled at his mother saying that he wanted toaster strudel and the kid's mother like made him toaster strudel and, he, oh and the mother was like he wanted the, he wanted like the cream in the shape of a unicorn so his mother actually made the shape of a unicorn with like the the, the cream from the pastry yes from the toast. frosting packet yes this actually happened i'm i won't say it if i remember it but i'm trying my damnedest to remember this kid's last name his name was ethan right happened. yeah his first name was definitely ethan i'm trying to remember his last name though I'll I'll think of it. I'll tell Zach, and then I we can bleep it out we'll of the go, recording. We'll go, through, or we'll, go, we'll go through the year. I have a yearbook from sophomore year, so I'll go through that. And we'll, okay. okay. I don't know if Rob will do it. In, depending on how fast we edit this, or how fast I dig out the yearbook, Rob will insert his name here. Hey kids, Rob did think of this kid's last name, but it's totally irrelevant. But this kid. He, I remember he came to me and he's like, have you ever seen this? And he was a popular kid by this time. Like he was like, he was a soccer player. And I guess we say our school, like worship the soccer players. Like they were like, well, we went to a school of like 12,000 kids. It was a small city, <laughs> but like, if, like in those circles, they were the ones that were kind of like worshiped, like beyond like the football players were never worshiped. The cheerleaders were never worshiped. It was the soccer players that were worshiped for some odd reason. Mm-hmm. And I remember this kid like came to me and he's like, yo, my sister, her boyfriend, and like this girl I'm hanging out with, like watch this movie called Teeth. He's like, "Have you ever heard of it?" And I'm like, "No." He's like, "Oh, this girl has teeth in her hoo ha, and like it bites people's ding dongs off." Yep. And I'm like, "Sold." And so, like, I did that, and so, like, I started like going down the rabbit's hole of like weird movies. This was like the same time of like Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two. Uh, I think I, I watched Marathon Man. I got like Gus Van Sant, or was it? Is it Lars? Is it Gus Van Sant or Lars von Trier's Psycho? I think it's Van Zant. Yeah, I don't, yeah. That's, I, I thought. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, Lars von Trier. That'd be that'd be below him to do a remake. Um, it was like I got those three <laughs> movies, and obviously, uh, and plus American Psycho. And so, like, like I watched Teeth. I'm like, yo, that movie's crazy. I'm like, you should watch American Psycho. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, is it like Teeth? And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> um, I'm like, just watch it. I can't explain it to you. Again, a, v- a very primitive form of a cinematis conversation. And I gave it to him, and he came back to me. Like he was a chill guy. Like he wasn't like like a like. It was surprising how he wasn't like snobby or anything. And he's like, "Yo, man, that movie was effed up." And I'm like, "More effed up than a girl who like bites off guys' ding dongs." And he's like, "Yeah, but like most of the guys who she's like biting their ding dongs off with, like they're trying to rape her. This guy's just going around like murdering prostitutes and like doing like and doing stuff like that." And, and I'm like, "Oh." And like going back to the original point of this, like I passed I, again. I think I talked about in Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two. Like if you, I, I bought the videotape for that. And if you want a copy of that movie, the rules were you bring me a blank DVD and I'll give you a copy of Silent yeah. Night, Deadly Night Part Two. And again, <laughs> once again, I'll tell people this is when it wasn't available anywhere. There were no DVDs. It wasn't online for streaming. There, like if you wanted a copy of this movie, you had to have like a local video store that was like selling off their VHS copy, or else you just didn't get this copy of this movie. It was out mm-hmm. of print, so so nobody was being denied money. And I I bought that. I should say I bought the Blu-ray of it, the one that Shout Factory released. So they got their money out of me. Plus, I've evangelized about that movie so many times. They've definitely got their money's worth out of me. <laughs> but, but like, that's the sort of thing, though, where it's like to a bunch of like 15 and 16, or how old was I then? 15? Yeah, 15. To like a bunch of 15 and 16 year olds, American Psycho was too edgy. And nowadays, like, people point, like, American Psycho is like on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, uh, Amazon, what, the uh, video demand, Prime. Yeah. Um, that's considered a very accessible, weird movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other things, like again, something like Wonder Shows is not accessible. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Right on. I have not remembered that name yet. <laughs> I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so no, no, Zach, you're making some great points. Absolutely. And and you're you're exactly right. This exists in this weird, unaccessible pantheon of cinemodities. And I, I just knew that's why we had to discuss it. <laughs> I guess another way to phrase it, inaccessible. It's perfectly inaccessible. Oh, I like that. I like that. Definitely. In the interview I read, they were asking, I, and maybe it was, it was one of the other two. It was Vern Chapman or what's his name? Joe, Joe what? John Lee. John Lee. They said something in this interview. And this interview, I think, was done like in 2013. They said... We had this, like, it's like, I think the interviewer is like, oh, how'd you get the idea for Wonder Shows? In? And they're like, oh, we had this really great idea of doing like a 12 minute long, like, sketch or bit for like the intro of a TV show, and then the final one minute being like the premise and it ends. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, that's too many cooks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought the same exact thing when I read that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and I looked at the interview. The interview was like a year before Too Many Cooks was like released. Are they responsible for that? I, again, not directly because I forget yeah, what's yeah. his name who did um, too many cooks. I, I, we've said his name a couple of times in this podcast. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, I don't remember it either. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll you know what, folks, when Rob thinks of the name or does, if he can't think of the name, we'll insert the name of the guy who did too many cooks right now. Chris, aka Casper Kelly. Clearly. Too many cooks is in the vein of Wonder Shows, and clearly oh, that's yeah, yeah. too many cooks might be the closest form of 
duplication of wonder shows and and even too many cooks make sense for the most part it's, yeah. it's strange as that may sound compared to wonder shows and too many cooks makes perfect sense yeah yeah that's a good point i i didn't i thought about too many cooks a little bit but not not thinking about it as really you no know, this close to wonder shows and but you're right it it really is based on how they describe the idea and then even some of the the insanity that's that's prevalent you know of course they're they're distinctly different things but you're absolutely right. There's that style of humor and style of creativity that is uh, common between the two. Absolutely. It really is. And that's where, again, like I said, uh, I've shown too many cooks to a couple of people and they're like, it's like, it's like, what's the, it's like, just get to it. And I'm like, you're, I guess somebody, if you show somebody too many cooks and we have to get to that eventually, that might be a, that might be a monstober because too many cooks <laughs> is like the right blend of just like, it's weird, but it's not like too violent either. <laughs> yeah. Um, too many cooks possibly be my favorite thing that's ever existed in all of mankind. <laughs> um, too many cooks is like another one of those like kind of like canaries in the coal mine. I guess I guess one of the what you, what you could do is that if you want to know if Wonder Shows in, if you can show somebody Wonder Shows in and they'll appreciate it, oh. show them too many cooks. Yeah. If, for, forget whether they'll appreciate too many. Well, I, I guess you say they if if they don't appreciate too many cooks, then no Wonder Shows in. Uh, yeah. it's, kind of like, it's like a flow chart do they appreciate too many cooks no do not show them wonder shows it's almost like the wonder shows and enjoyment litmus test exactly <laughs> we first show them you know the how isn't how long is too many cooks like 10 minutes 13 minutes it's like yeah it's like 10 12 minutes okay yeah so that's easy enough should just show somebody that and then be like okay what'd you think and then oh that's that's an interesting concept to show somebody that and then ask them what they thought about it and if they say they didn't like it, be like, okay, we're not going to watch the next thing I had planned. Because I know some people that be like, what do you mean? You mean your answer was going to change based on my answer? And be like, yes, that's how normal humans interact. <laughs> that's yeah. interesting. That's kind of like, you know, layers to, to picking your late night movie. <laughs> it is. Because like, I can, that's, I guess I should say too, like, like Rob and I talk about late night movies. And, and Rob obviously has a much more of a revolving door of uh, characters that he can show stuff to. But I think at the same time, though, it's like even if I had the ability that Rob does, I wouldn't show people a lot of this stuff because I because one thing I'm terrified of, and this happened in college, like you show someone something, and it doesn't resonate with them, they are going to just blast it to every single person they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like exactly. it's 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 like it, it, yelp, it's like Yelp. If someone doesn't like something, they are just going to make sure that they ruin it for everybody else. Yeah, you really, I, I definitely have felt that way, you know, and, and there's some people I know that I hang out with, I know they're going to do things like that, and I just don't care, because the, I know the people they're going to go complain to are, you know, just as, have the same mindset, so it's kind of like, you know, I feel like there's a group of people that I'm I'm somewhat related to that basically, you know, every opinion they have is a combination of the opinions of the people they know, mm -hmm. and that's, those are the people that I think are very likely to be like, oh, listen, I had a negative experience. I got to tell you all about it, even though it's entirely irrelevant to your life. But there are some, I, it, there, of course, it's, you know, finding the, um, the needle in the haystack. There are some that are definitely, you know, more like us, Zach, I would say, where, yes, we can dislike something, but we're not going to completely say it needs to be, you know, stricken from history or anything like that, which some of these people would do. But you're right. It, it, the first category is more prevalent. If they hate yes. something, they better make, they got to make sure everybody knows they hate it. And that's what's just dangerous about people, and not to make this into a philosophical debate on people's preferences. Well, again, Wonder Shows is nothing commercial, so it's not like someone can stumble upon like Wonder Shows by accident one day, like yeah. on cable on a Sunday afternoon. 
But it's the idea that, like, let's say there is somebody who likes, who's getting into, like, weird stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the idea of, like, again, going back to, like, Watch Mojo. Watch Mojo does a show, does, like, a thing, like, on, like, the top ten, like, oh, God, like, top ten worst MTV shows. Which I, that video probably exists. And it's like, okay, how are they grading worse shows? Are they grading it based on, like, IMDb rating? Are they doing it based on how many seasons something got? Are they grading it based upon Lord knows what sort of just grading metric? And yet, like, they'll do something like that. And those videos average, like, 3 million views per video. They'll put Wonder Shows on the worst MTV thing because it got the lowest amount of ratings. Mm, okay. And 3.5 million people will watch that video. And that, let's just say even it's it's... 0.1% of that 3.5 million are people like us that like weird stuff. Like they're not as, what's the word, open as we mm-hmm. are or, or willing to try different flavors. But that will turn off people. That will burn so many bridges just because somebody's looking for filler. Whoever, the poor intern that's working at the, mo- the Watch Mojo offices that's probably making like half of minimum wage, they're just going through being, they're told by whoever's in charge, we need a video by five o'clock tomorrow night about uh, uh, worst MTV shows. And, yeah. the, and it's some like 19 year old who doesn't know anything being like, okay, how am I, like, what's a worst MTV show? And they'll go and type in like worst MTV shows and they'll get a BuzzFeed listicle or they'll mm-hmm. get something. And guess what? There's probably at least probably a hundred people that would, if they did stumble upon Wonder Shows and through the Slaves video or a Clarence video or through like Vietnam Hobo G.I. Joe or yep. uh, D.O.G. O.B.G.Y.N. Guess what? Gone. Yeah. You've, yeah. you've poisoned the well. Mm-hmm. And that's where, again, late night movie, even though Rob and I have fun with it being like, oh, what's the late night movie of Avengers Endgame? It's like no matter what we freaking say about that movie, we are there's not a single person on the face of the earth whose opinion of that movie changed based on what we say at the end of that episode. Yes, yeah. No one's like, I absolutely hate this movie, but Zach and Rob convinced me to like it, or the opposite of that. Yeah, Yet, like th- this is one of those ones where it's like you gotta be careful because I imagine there's probably again out of our like what. Some people say what we have fourteen listeners. Others say seven. <laughs> it, it depends. We're still sure. trying to we're still trying to track down past like three. But like out of those like three, possibly fourteen people, I would imagine at least one of them, hopefully, will like go find this, or at the very least, type in the slaves clip into YouTube. Yeah, and it's like. And that's where it is, though. So, but I'm afraid of like telling the wrong person about that because if they don't like it, or especially today's society, everybody's so freaking sensitive about everything. Like, yeah. all it takes is one person to poison the well. Hmm. Hmm. I, I think that you you bring up exactly where I was going to go next is the um, the sheer brute force of the political incorrectness in this show. That could definitely cause some problems for it, not just as a late night movie, but with people, you know absolutely destroying it on the internet in terms of reviews and things like that. Um, I think that's a big issue with it too. And, you know, I, I think that's the problem people, you know, today or modern stuff, you know, it's so, so much sensitivity where they're going to look at this and yeah, they might watch, you know, one up, ep- you watch any episode that has D O G O B G Y N in it. The dog always delivers a black baby to the white woman. <laughs> always. That is every single sketch that happens. Someone would see that and go, this is offensive, this is racist, this is XYZ, this is why this should be you know, scrubbed from the face of the earth. They're not going to think about this and, and you know, look and do that research where basically the creator's just like, what could we do? We did it, you know? They weren't trying to hate on 
black people, they're not trying to hate on, you know, veterans that have PTSD. They just thought of stuff and ran with it. Yes, but it's funny. I think there's there's one thing. I don't think anybody will ever try to erase Wonder Shows because I think worst case scenario for Wonder Shows is a uh, stark raving dad where they just put, something happens or somebody in charge of, of MTV or Viacom says, I don't like this, yoink. But I think what the catalyst would be for something like that, which I think is unlikely, is that like, and this is Rob knows one of my favorite people on the entire internet, is someone like Jenny Nicholson. Sure. <laughs> someone like her who's a generic YouTuber that dabbles in different entertainment. She has half a million subscribers. She would find something like this. And this is something, God, it terrifies me. This is something that would fit her sense, her persona. I don't know what the hell she's like in real life, but based on what sure. I've seen in a couple of her videos, this would be something that she would dabble in and her audience would buy her dabbling in. And she would, not that she would, I don't think, think about this, like somebody would not go after this, like in a sense of like, uh, like a stark raving dad. I don't think this show would ever get that sort of attention because it never had that sort of impact. Mm-hmm, people don't, mm-hmm. people don't tend to tear down statues that are the size of like world's greatest dad trophies. Sure. They're like sure. like two inches high. People don't go after statues that high. They go after ones that are 10 feet tall. Yeah, but I yeah. could very easily imagine someone like her who's just who knows nothing, is very ignorant, does no research, just shoots from the hip based on whatever's going through her head at the moment. And she'll just crap on this and say it doesn't make sense. It's poorly edited. It's raunchy. It's offensive. And then she'll probably give all her followers like a call to action to hate it just as much as she does. And then it's just a snowball effect. And that yes, and that's what it is. It's not even a call to action. It'll be like, don't bother watching it. Oh, so it'll be something like incredibly passive. But then the followers will just will. They'll make the snowball out of it. It'll be ignored out of existence. And I think it's like it's like which is worse. Stark raving dad being being part of a book burning or it just disappears because no one remembers it, which mm. is worse at the end of the day, mm. at least with a coordinated assault, it at least shows that it has purpose. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's it's an interesting bad. question. Yeah. Ni- neither is ideal. Neither outcome is ideal. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I think Rob and Zach are, are, have, are in agreement and have been agreement on this where, you know, things exist and you just got to deal with it, even if it makes you a little sad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, book burning is bad, folks. Nothing good ever came from destroying something's existence. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before. We've said it before with R. Kelly. I say, um, I've always said, you know, let's imagine we do it. We erase all of R. Kelly's music from the face of the earth. Let's say, you know, if 20, or maybe a generation, two generations go by, a musician, a young prodigy uh, in mus- music comes up, and he writes a song very, very similar to an R. Kelly song, just because as Zach and I have talked about, you know, that's what happens in music. People have the same ideas and they roll with them. So what do we do? We have to kill the kid, right? Like we have to murder this kid because it's not the person, it's the music, according to these people. And someone who's making that music will be just as bad as R. Kelly. This should sound absurd to everybody because it is absurd. You can't do this. And the same thing goes with Wonder Shows and Stark Raving Dad. No matter how people try and get it out of the ether, it has to stay there. And it should stay there. So I think Zach and I, have that's like one of the things that we, we were always in agreement about almost. <laughs> yeah. It's up to you if you want to ingest it, you know. No one's making you watch Wonder Shows and no one's making you, you know, watch an R. Kelly sex tape. So it's up to you what you want to do with it. You know, you shouldn't just jump on the bandwagon of, no, I never want anybody to hear I believe I can fly again. 
Yes, it might have saved my brother from his like heroin, bad heroin addiction because it really lifted up his spirits. But fuck R. Kelly. I wish my brother died. You know, it's like how how this argument makes no sense. And I would be saying the same thing if if the focus for today was Wonder Chosen instead of R. Kelly or instead of whatever it is these days. You know, be it Kevin Spacey or, or Brand New or whoever's. I don't know. I'm not on top of who's on trouble these days. Dan Schneider. <laughs> I, who? I'm trying to think. Who's the last person that was canceled? I I don't know honestly. <laughs> I haven't heard about that for a while. But that's probably more because I I actively try to ignore that stuff. Yeah, but that's the thing that's scary though. It's like the problem is that like someone like again to bring up because again, Cinemodies has an axe to grind with Jenny Jenny Nicholson. Yes, but it's just the whole idea of it doesn't take like I don't know. Taylor Swift tweeting about it. It doesn't take someone mm-hmm. sensational to destroy something. All it takes is one person that just stumbled into some middling form of notoriety. And that can not that it disappears. It's not like Viacom's like, oh man, Jenny Nicholson got us next. I don't I it's like I don't <laughs> think it's that. But it's just the idea that someone like that has it's shockingly, there's so many the, again, the blind leading the blind out there. Mm-hmm. There's so many sheep. It's yep. just like, you know, this random like 23-year-old on YouTube or however the whole however the hell she is. Like I'm going to not watch something based on some random person that's somewhat the same age as mine's like passive dismissal or something. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's a good point. And it's not just her. It's saying it's not just one person. There's hundreds, if not thousands of them out there that will sit there. Just like think of all the stupid just like I don't know. Like imagine if Rob and I interacted with somebody who had like what they call like like, like a influencer. Mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. it takes is one of them to feel disgruntled. Yeah. And boom. Exactly. Exactly. That's how easy it is to uh, to have someone else have a personal vendetta against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just kind of what it is, though. And, it's, and the sad thing, it's not. It would be different if someone was like, I genuinely, objectively grading the show, being like, "Oh, like this is why the show works and why it doesn't work." Yeah. This is just someone giving an uneducated opinion on something, and in the process, they'll destroy something with no even reverence for its survival or for its. I don't want to say flourishment because that's a little mm-hmm. too extreme, mm-hmm. but just it's. And that's just where it's going. And it just, and like I, said, I, God, I guess whoever Vernon Chapman's doing, it's a good thing that he does work for South Park. So I guess he, he pays his, the electric bill so he can do the shivering truth on the side. Yes, 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 yep. He gets his good paycheck from South Park when he, uh, they're like, Vernon, we need you again. And he goes in and he smokes weed. And then he says, you're a towel. <laughs> Wanna get high? <laughs> Tally is a tough choice because even though I can see how always having a towel rug can come in handy, he's just always so high. Yeah, I really hope I win because, wait, what is this again? I have no idea what's going on. Oh, all right. Okay, well, Zach, there's a lot of philosophy to this, right? We've, we've oh, talked right. about a lot of it. And I, I, like we said at the start, I knew that was something we had to focus on. We also are going to have our real questions to deal with. I think we've touched on some of them already. But I did want to have the chance to, to briefly touch on some sketches that I there wanted to There we highlight. go. He's going to pick out the very – I knew I couldn't get him to not do this, folks. He's going to pick out very specific moments. I don't know if they're that specific, them. but but they're, they're in there. Okay. So the first one I want to mention is a, a recurring um, sketch or, or a recurring, I guess, character. The news anchor character. Yes. So every episode we get this weird, like, I've always thought it was like a chocolate bar with a bunch of eyes on it. 
Apparently, it, it is not like anything, or at least in my research, it's not like, you know, an actual object with a bunch of eyes. It's just another crazy character. I, it's, I watched all of this, the show, Wonder Chosen, and I don't think it ever gave him a name, but apparently his name is A.P. Gibraltar. Oh. So there we go. We learned something. But every single time you see this news anchor, um, there'll be a ticker at the bottom of the of the screen, you know, just like we usually get on the bottom of, you know, CNNs and NBCs and all that stuff, giving you, you know, the brief snippets of news. But the the gist of Wonder Shows in is that every time you see these, the text is moving faster than you can read it. So I knew from the moment that we were going to discuss Wonder Shows in, I was going to spend the time to go through those and slow it down and actually see what's said. They're not all good. There's a lot of them. Imagine, you know, if text moving faster than you can read it in like a three minute chunk of the episode. There's a lot that gets said in there. But there were some that I wanted to highlight because I am I am Oh, I would say I'm like 99.9% confident that Zach did not do this. He did not I slow did not down finish. the episodes. Yes. So um, one of the ones I liked, the on the ticker, it says, Restaurant-themed bar opens inside arcade-themed prison. <laughs> that, that When I read that, I was like, are they talking about the Cinemodities restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was good. Um uh, we get one va- uh, vaccine for salty jowl disorder now in form of salted jowl flavored hoagie. Fant- <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> um, another episode when we have uh, some, it, there's one, oh, one I really loved. It says Congress approves the use of attack monkey. Great. Just I, one? I thought, S- just singular? Just, yes. Not even plural. Attack monkey. <laughs> There's one, there's some that are really, really, you know, more out there where it's one is woman asks man, do you know what a turkey sandwich is? Would you like me to do that to you? I don't, I don't get that. I don't, if someone said that to me, I'm sure I'd be confused. Be like, do you want, be like, do you want me to make, do I want to eat a sandwich or do you want to make me a sandwich? That type of thing. So I had to, I had to highlight that, that if you slow that down and read them, there is, there is some funny stuff in there. But I was actually expending, uh, expecting something more nonsensical. Like kind of when I got this in my head, I was like, I'm going to slow down these sections and see what they say. I was expecting like it was going to be a bunch of wingdings or a bunch of just gibberish, yeah. like nonsense words. But it's actually, you know, they I'm sure that the writers, you know, John Lee and Vernon Chapman, they just sat down and and thought of random sentences and just threw it in there. You know, one of them is 868 billion corpses found rotting behind a dumpster in heaven. And it's like, yeah, they just thought of like, okay, what can we get? What can we throw out here? And they just put it on there. So I was a little um, pleasantly surprised to see that there was actually uh, text and one-liners, if you can think about them that way, uh, on the bottom. (laughs) I have to mention the Hobo Off sketch. I guess I should mention that right now I'm discussing things in Season 1, Episode 3 of Wonder Shosen, titled Oceans. But the Hobo Off sketch, I want to highlight one line in there. It's when they're escaping from the... Um, the convenience store and one of the homeless people like as they're all running away he falls down and another guy like comes to try and help him out and he's like no keep going leave me don't ruin the operation and then the guy who's like laying on the floor and he, he just tripped it's not like he's injured or anything he just tripped he says something like can you do me a favor and the other homeless guy immediately responds with sorry buddy I don't have any change 
<laughs> like they're they're in the operation together. Go on without me, man. I'm not leaving you, you bastard. God damn it! This mission is bigger than one man. This is about the cans and the bottles. Just do me one favor. Sorry, buddy. I don't have any change. Tell that Saigon whore I still love her. There's something. It's like we talked about with Dave Chappelle. You know, getting that whole like uh, the Clayton Bixby sketch, like. Just inserting the fact that this headmistress of a all-blind school had to tell and lie about the blind children's race, just throwing this little bit, this little divot in here, where they're on this mission. You think everything's going, you know, as you expect it, and then one homeless person says to the other, "Sorry, buddy, I don't have any change." And if Zach remembers the favor he was actually trying to ask was something about like making sure some other person gets something like, you know, tell my wife, I love her type of thing. But I, I, I loved that line from the moment I heard it and it just had to, we had to mention it. Zach. <laughs> I think the next thing I want to highlight is a question I have for Zach. And this will probably be a question that I will have to do an update on. Cause I have to dig even further. But the second episode we watched was season one, episode five, which is called nature. Uh, in this episode, Mother Nature gets a sex change, and you better believe we get to see a puppet attempting to perform a sex change operation on itself. If you thought Team America World Police was out there, <laughs> wait till you see this one. But in this episode, this is where we get Total Race War Live, which is a TRL-style show, but for the, the Black Fist character just you know saying his beliefs and stuff like that. There is one quick shot in the total race war live sketch where they zoom in on an audience member. And so now I know that Zach, you know, as in TRL and this sketch, they will always do these weird quick pans across the audience to show a lot of people all at once. This is a specific zoom in on one person in the audience. And I cannot find any sources to back this up. I cannot find a credit for it. I'm going to dig even further but it looks a whole lot like Sasha Gray. And if Zach or our audience do not know, Sasha Gray was a very prolific adult film actress from around yeah. the time that this aired. It looks so much like her, but I can't find any credit in the actual credits of the show, IMDb, anything like that. I guess I didn't check IAFD, which is the International Adult Film Database, for anybody who wants to check that out. But... That's I'll have thing? to do some research. Oh, that's of course that's a thing, Zach. How could you think that's not a thing? It's probably sponsored by Pornhub. <laughs> of course. So, so I'm gonna do some. I'm gonna do some digging to see if this is really her. And I think the best way to do this might be to take this little clip from Wonder Chosen and post it on Pornhub. <laughs> oh, really? With, with the title, like, if you think this is Sasha Gray, like the video. If you don't think it is, dislike the video. Like, I want to poll Pornhub for this. What do you think, Zach? And we don't even need grant money to do that. <laughs> Cinemati's research at its finest, folks. Yes. So we'll have to see how that goes. But I, I, it really looks like her to me, so I had to, I had to comment on that. We'll get back to you. The other thing in this episode I wanted to point out is we get a We Go To segment. So there's like stock footage of a, of a mint, like a U.S. mint, where they're printing a bunch of money. And we just get a bunch of different kids saying weird things over it. This is a recurring sketch. But I, I've always found it. I think it's pretty funny because in the way it's delivered, so we'll have to play the clip, the kid saying this line like trips up on it because I'm pretty sure he doesn't know what it means. But as we see stacks and sheets of money being printed off of these presses, a little kid says, I haven't seen that many dead white men since my bris. 
and he stumbles on the word bris because I don't think he knows what a bris is. <laughs> I haven't seen that many dead white men since my bris. Um, season one, episode seven, episode seven we watched. This is... What episode is this? Oh, this is the dreams episode where everything's a, a cop-out at the end. And Honesty, I think, talks about this episode. Yeah, because they have the Q&A because they say, when is it okay to lie? And I will never not laugh at when it says, when is it okay to lie? And the second little kid they interview says, when you're accepting Jesus on death row. That, that is a robism for everybody. And I think Zach can attest to that. That is my type of humor. <laughs> we get our D-O-G-O-B-G-Y-N sketch in there in which a pregnant woman skydives. She goes into labor while she's skydiving. And when D-O-G-O-B-G-Y-N shows up, the guy's like, get that baby out of her. And then the woman screams, no, I do not want a vaginal birth. I've always told you I've wanted a cesarean section. I'm just thinking now, like, I hope my neighbor can hear me screaming this stuff and just be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but I love that line. I just love the idea of a woman, not even sky, like not even skydiving, just screaming like, I'm not going to have this baby stretch out my junk. I want a C-section. <laughs> oh, thank God. It's D-O-G-O-B-G-Y-N. Okay, honey, spread your legs. This dog's going to pull the baby out. No, I do not want a vaginal birth. I told you I time, honey. I said spread those legs. No, damn it. I want a cesarean. No baby's gonna stretch out my junk. I'll hold this thing inside me for another year if I have to. Are you up for it, boy? You think you can do a C-section? <laughs> oh. yeah, was good. I, I laughed at that. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. This is also the Chudies episode, which you knew I had to highlight, Zach, because we get to see Christopher Maloney. Of course. And this is during... Law and Order's Vu. So he's known from that. He's known from Law and Order's Vu, and he gets to give a PSA about cooties. I love where he goes, fact, cooties eat breakfast, or cooties eat cancer for breakfast, and stuff like that. But I have to say that he delivers a lot of his lines really well, especially the second time we see him, where it's more of the commercial for the ranch chooties. It's where, like, he, he has, like, all this shit on his face because he ate a bunch of the chooties or something. And then he goes, in the eight seconds since that last, minute, last message, the cooties pandemic has doubled thrice-foldishly. In the eight seconds since that last PSA, the cooties pandemic has doubled thrice-foldishly. It's all that guy's fault. <laughs> I... Once again, there's a lot of phrases we have on here that Rob needs to start that's, yelling that's, at that's his a students. Rob phrase. That's a yes, Rob I phrase. need I need to tell my students that something has doubled thrice foldishly. Like that that's gonna be a question on the final next time. <laughs> oh, doubled thrice foldishly. Um, season one, episode eight. This is one where I think we've talked about in some uh, context. This is the patience episode. So just to remind everybody, this episode starts off very, very slow. It tests your patience. The show realizes this. It plays the entirety of the first part of the episode in reverse. And then we get our third section, which is about speed, played on double speed. This, this episode, I'm glad I actually found some... Um, I think it was from the one Zach read, where they were talking about how they wanted... John Lee and Vernon Chapman said they wanted this, this episode originally to be 21 minutes of Clarence and the fishermen going, patience, patience, 
They wanted that. They wanted the whole episode to be that. But then they go on in the interview and they say, basically, they they pitched this idea to MTV and MTV was like, fine, do it. And so they say in the interview, we've learned we don't need to make an interesting show. We can just make MTV put anything on the air. And then about the Patience episode, they say it will make it to air. And nobody got fired for this. They actually promoted some people because of it. And then uh, the other one chimes in and says, our goal all along has been to get people fired. And it hasn't worked. We can't even get ourselves fired. <laughs> so I think this episode with that little bit of context, how, you know, they, they wanted it to be even more trying of your patience. That's that's something. You know, because they 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 play a lot in reverse, so they try and play with oh, there's some things in reverse that you only get to hear when we play it in reverse. You know, for the middle part of the episode, so there is some interesting stuff to it. Um, the other thing though that I want to mention about this, when we get the speed portion of the episode, we have a fake commercial that we are going to have to come back to because it is very similar to a whitest kids you know uh, fake commercial. Or we probably should switch these. The whitest kids you know one is similar to this. And it's the aspirin commercial. Are these flashing lights and sounds giving you a headache? What about now? What about now? What about now? And then it's a commercial for Causer's aspirin. Hey, you! Are these flashing colors and loud noises giving you a headache? How about now? How about now? How about now? Looks like this is a case for Causer's aspirin. Because Causer's is the only aspirin strong enough to cure the type of headache only it can cause. Causer's aspirin. Causer's aspirin. Get it. Get it. I love that the brand name is Causer's. <laughs> so that's going to be juxtaposed to the epilepsy test sketch in Whitest Kids You Know, Zach. Okay? Prepare for it. Oh, boy. Epilepsy test! One moment, please. Getting your results. <laughs> and then the last episode we watched, um, while it is technically not the series finale of Wonder Chosen, I consider it to be the series finale of Wonder Chosen. It is season two, episode six, and it is the cooperation episode. And in this episode, it starts by the Wonder Chosen cast saying, please buy ad space. We're broke because so many people are pirating our show. Oh, yeah. And then they proceed to go out and buy a bootleg of Wonder Chosen, and that's what we get to see during this episode. And I love that when they put the bootleg version of Wonder Chosen on, they it's it's a it is a bootleg. It's it's a parody ripoff type of thing. And the 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 commentator of the bootleg goes, "This week's Wonder Show Zoo is brought to you by the number K, the letter eleven, and that's it." He doesn't even finish the thing. It's like there's no downward inflection. It's like they really are playing with the way they always introduce these shows. Children's program, children's program, change the channel. Today's Wonder Show Zoo is sponsored by the letter 11, the number K. Oh, hey, children. Uh, today, we got a special guest who has a plan for a new world order. And then I think as I texted Zach the, the first time I ever saw this, I think I texted him at like midnight one night and said, Zach, there's an episode of Wonder Chosen in which we get to see the number nine fly into the number 11. And that is this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, we had to get our 9-11 imagery involved in Wonder Chosen. And, if, and pro I'm honestly surprised we didn't get more of it <laughs> for what they're producing, you know? 
Oh, this was still what a couple of years after nine eleven. It was still a fresh. Was it, it too wasn't soon. Still too soon. And plus, okay, <laughs> the type of humor wasn't really uh, in vogue yet either. Yes, yes. This episode then goes on to become a war between the bootlegs and the originals, which I really, really like. They eventually come to a truce in which we get the song War Never Solved Anything, which is a very highly political song, which it has like that weird, like almost spoken word part about the Vietnam War in there. But I love the fact that we get to see actual musicians in this sketch. And it's John Oates, Devendra Banhart, Corrine Tucker, and Rick Springfield. We get to see the guy who sang Jesse's Girl in this sketch, Zach. <laughs> yeah, I didn't pick up on that. Oh, he's Rick Springfield's in it for the shortest. But I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, is that Rick Springfield? And then, and then as soon as I saw that and I, I looked it up and saw that it was, I need to know if Zach remembers how many times we would sing R- Jesse's Girl to each other because it was DLC on Guitar Hero, remember? Oh man, good old Jesse's girl. That was gonna yeah. be uh Cause she's watching him with those eyes And she's loving him with that body I just know it And he's holding her in his arms late late at night You know I wish that I had Jesse's girl I wish that I had Jesse's girl Jesse's girl Da na 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 but then, of course, the truce, the truce between the bootlegs and the originals leads to um, one of the coolest things I think I've ever seen done. Maybe not cool. Maybe one of the most clever things I've seen done with uh, screen real estate. And they decide to split the screen 60-40. And so we just get to see, like, Wonder shows in on 60% of the screen and Wonder shows Zoo on the other 40% of the screen. But And all the audio is overlapping. But then eventually the bootlegs have their own truce and that 40% of the screen gets split in half into two twenties and the screen gets keep getting split in these weird, you know, non-uniform sections. There's a portion where some of the screen starts to get like dug away by small characters. And they're like, what are you doing up there? And he's like, Oh, we just want to put a show on in the corner. It's okay. Right. But it all ends when all of these different shows, they end up landing on the same sketch and it's just the audio. That's the same. So we're seeing all this crazy video broken up into this weird mosaic on the screen, but all the audio is overlapping. And it's about the Make-A-Wish Foundation basically being at a dying girl's hospital room telling her you get one more wish. And she says, I wish the world would end in nuclear holocaust. And it does. If the world blows up, we get a little, we went to the apocalypse where all the kids are like, you know, no, the unending terror of eternity. And that's, uh, to me, I think that's the end of Wonder Chosen. Because I wanted to bring up this ending to tell Zach about the last two episodes. So there is a season two, episode seven, and a season two, episode eight. And I hate them. I honestly cannot stand watching them. For real, Zach. I'm interested to see what you would think if you watched them, but they are significantly different from everything else with Wonder Chosen. For example, season two, episode seven, it's titled Mathematics. The episode starts with a disclaimer, not the usual disclaimer, a new disclaimer that says, due to recent market testing, we have completely changed the structure of Wonder Chosen. And I am not kidding you, Zach, or the audience. This episode is 21 minutes of continual cutaways to people dressed up as hillbillies 
and making one-line hillbilly jokes. Like, this is my daughter and my wife, that type of thing. And I've watched this episode a few times now, and every time I watch it, I'm just, like, waiting. I'm waiting for something to happen, you know? Something to elevate just beyond the incest jokes, the, the stupid, you know, hick jokes, and it never happens. They're never, ever, the shoe, other shoe never drops. The, there is no drop. That is the entire episode, 21 minutes of one-liner, like, hillbilly humor. The one thing I will mention about that episode, Zach, that I, I think we will slightly enjoy, there's a cameo by Zach Galifianakis, mm. and his character in this hillbilly-esque getup is Uncle Daddy. <laughs> Seriously, full, that's his credit as Uncle folks, Daddy. Full, yes, full, full circle. circle. So I think uh, Wonder Show's an inspired uh, clause, or at least Dean Norris in that character. And then season two, episode eight, the true season finale of Wonder Chosen, it is 21 minutes of Clarence. There is nothing but Clarence. And it's not that I'm against Clarence. It's that the question he's asking is he's going up to people on the street and saying, make compelling television. And that's it. Like, that's, I think that's what they're going for is like, this show is over. Wonder Chosen's over. So they're just as, let's just go out into the street and ask people, like, do something. Do something for our show. And it is, I don't think it's very enjoyable. So they are very distinctly different. Um, I think it harkens back to what we said. They were just trying to see what they could get away with. And 21 minutes of basic hillbilly humor, yeah, they got away with it. So maybe Zach will see those one day. But those are the two episodes that I really I really dislike. I find those a lot harder to watch than the others because they're so different. That's why I consider the nuclear holocaust at the end of season two, episode six, the true end of Wonder Shotsin. <laughs> Anything you wanted to highlight from any of these episodes, Zach? Uh, no, not really. Nothing specific. Well, there's moments I enjoyed more. Sure, than yes. Yeah, yeah. And no, of course, I'm sure Zach and the audience should know that you know I have, I have way more notes on this than I'm talking about because we'll be in another Chappelle show setting if I start oh, to talk Lord. about all these. Um, but no, I, I figured you know it's kind of more of the whole experience that we were discussing. So, I will tell you, Zach, out of the things that I've always said I like to discuss with sketch comedy. I think we talked about the writers, no problem. You know, Vernon Chapman, John Lee, pretty much the remaining members of PFFR, uh, their, their group that they're with. Uh, the cast we didn't talk about, but of course, a lot of it is the same people. Chapman, uh, Lee, uh, Allison Levy, voices Sugar. Uh, Jim Cozy does a lot of the other voices. I actually did spend the time, Zach, going through all of the children that get credit for um, oh, Jesus Wonder Christ. Chosen. And I solely did this because I was like, okay, I'm going to look at all these children and I'm going to find out how many of them were in Law and Order and what episodes of Law and Order. I did this, Zach, but I'm not going to go through it because it's a lot more than I expected. A lot of these kids had some minor roles in Law and Order and Law and Order SVU. Of so if anybody did. wants to email us and get Rob's notes on that, that's how you're going to have to hear it. <laughs> oh, good Lord. And oh, so I <laughs> how, how do you even come up with an idea like that? You're asking me how I came up with an idea like that? Yes. How could I not have come up with an idea like that? How do you watch Wonder Shows and your knee-jerk reaction is tying it to Law and Order? Well, one, we already have Christopher Maloney in there. <laughs> and the only other actors we really get on the show are the children, so that was all I had to play with. Oh, my God. So lastly, before our real questions, uh, I did want to say one more time I found exactly what Zach did about why did it end? with that large changer, changeover MTV people, MTV2 people, and they had no idea how to handle it. Um, I think in one of the interviews I read, they, Vernon Chapman and, and uh, John Lee actually described it as they never really got told that you were, they were canceled. It kind of more just dissolved after a while. <laughs> uh, 
I did find it interesting, though, that apparently there were plans for a, or not plans, but they were trying to pitch a Beat Kids movie. Did you hear about this? Or read about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I read okay. it. I saw that somewhere. So the concept of the Beat Kids movie was going to take the primary kid that they have for Beat Kids, and they were basically just going to follow him around the country co- campaigning for president. Like this 11 or 12-year-old kid was going to start campaigning for president then, and then in like 2028, when he finally turns 35, he was going to run. And that was what they wanted to do, whether it be a movie or some longer experience. What was that movie where they followed like the kid for his whole life? Boyhood. Boyhood, yeah. I think they want to do something like that, but with politics. And in the interview, they go on to say that this got shot down because like the the studio or the MTV, the marketing people, they said that politics was not going to be a very big topic in the upcoming years back in 2006. And I feel like it you could sense even reading this interview, not not hearing their voice, their vocal inflections, just reading this. You can sense that John Lee and Vernon Chapman are pissed off about this because they go on and mention, well, like two years later, Borat comes out. The Daily Show gets big. Politics becomes the beast that it is for us today. So I think they definitely see that as a missed opportunity. Um, it would have been really interesting to see something like that, but there there were thoughts for a Beat Kids movie. How, how well would have that went over? You know, you see on your marquee out in mid-2000s or late-2000s, oh, what are we going to go see? Beat Kids? <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> that would have been pretty good. Kind of like a jackass. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, our, that's our, my last bit of Wonder Shows and I wanted to touch on. So now what we have left is our real questions. So what do you want to start with, Zach? The ones that we've kind of danced around? For the, this whole discussion? Uh, well, maybe you've danced around them. I think I've laid out my case pretty clearly for both Cinemati <laughs> and Late Night Movie. So, okay, so I guess then I have to ask you, what version of, of yes is going into the spreadsheet? Because, you know, sometimes we have sometimes we have hard yeses, sometimes we have absolute yeses, sometimes we got some F yeses, sometimes we got some F noes. What, what were you thinking for this one, Zach? I think uh, I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go definitely for both Late Night and Cinemodities. I'm going to go, oh, yeah, for yes. Or actually, I'm going to, the sound that Chansey makes when he's, uh, what, the, what was it, the Mother Earth lady parts, the sound he makes. I'm going to do that. <laughs> whatever, whatever okay, so I have, to find, I have to find out how to put a sound file into the spreadsheet yes. now. Good, good. Yes. I can figure this out, I bet. <laughs> and for late night movie, like I've said, it depends. You have to be very careful with this. Very yeah. careful. Okay, do you, want, do you want like that litmus test of too many cooks to be a part of this? Sure. Or, or more of just a know your audience type of thing. No, nah, well, I think it's both. I think you have to know your audience. But too yeah, many it, cooks. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a test your audience type of thing. Yes. I think uh, know your audience to begin with, whether it be this or any other cinema, any late night movie. But I think the best thing to do is if you're unsure, make sure to uh, pull the too many cooks. But to be fair, too many cooks and wonder shows in one night is a very lethal combination. <laughs> True, true. <laughs> maybe, maybe do it for like one night. You do like Wonder Shows on like on a Friday. Not not Wonder Shows. And you do too many cooks on like the Friday night. Then Saturday night is the Wonder Shows, and you can't do them all in one night. Yeah, you give them you give them some like uh, regeneration time. You know, it's how they say you know you shouldn't do the same workout every day. You should let mm-hmm. those muscles regenerate. It's like you shouldn't just hit both of these in quick succession. You need that. You need some time for your your brain to develop the proper neural pathways. <laughs> exactly. You need that refractory period. 
<laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Right on. So that's our cinemodities, our late night movie. Snack. I don't have too many for snacks, but I do want to take the low-hanging fruit. Chudies! But, Zach, the way that I want to get Chudies for the Cinemodities restaurant is I want to do it the exact same way him and uh, Wordsworth do it. Wordsworth is the one with the cooties. Him is the one selling the cooties. I want to be him, and you should be Wordsworth. So, Zach, what I'm saying is I want want to peel cooties, cootie sores, I guess, off of your body to serve them to customers of our restaurant. And we can play the commercial in the restaurant, too, with Christopher (laughs) Maloney. Judy! (laughs) So what, do you like ranch, Zach? Would you accept ranch medicine, or is there a different... Thing flavor that you would prefer? I, I like ranch, maybe maybe uh, Thousand Island flavor too. I wouldn't be against Ooh. that. Okay, okay, that would be interesting. Thousand Island flavor chudies. Okay, right on, right on. I like it. Maybe I could give you a bunch of caviar medicine. Oh god, caviar glory. We have caviar chudies. Ooh, <laughs> fancy. <laughs> well, what did you have for snacks, Zach? I I really focused on playing around with the chudies concept. I really liked that. <laughs> What I'm going to do is I'm going to do because of this movie. I'm going to say just straight up black coffee to sober you up after you watch this. Watch this. Ah, are you going like how how black of the coffee you going? You going like Twin Peaks black, where he says like I like my coffee blacker than a blacker than the night sky on a moonless night or something like that. Like we talking that black? Oh yeah, got to sober okay. you up. You need, okay. you need to be brought back to reality after watching this. Okay. The question is though, then will there be a fish? In the percolator. <laughs> Will there just be like a constant fish in our percolator at the restaurant? Uh, not what, okay, what about this? You know those when you go to restaurants, they have those like uh, lemonade or like the iced tea fountains where you can like see. They get the, the top is see-through and you can see like the lemonade filling up and stuff like that. Sure. We do one of those for coffee and we just have like a giant fish in there so it's visible all the time and be like what's that with the fish in it is that some type of like you know like a like some type of maybe you know asian tea or something they infused it with like fish oil and be like nope that's just coffee black coffee and be like what's the fish for it just got in there <laughs> it's not for anything it just got in there do we name the fish Pro- i mean yeah we probably could um i don't have any names off the top of my head right now do you no not really Okay, so this will be the next Pornhub poll for Cinemodic. <laughs> we're going to put a picture of this fish on there, and we're going to ask people to vote for the name. Okay, one thing I would like part of the Cinemodic's restaurant is much like how we have like the Dune from Jodorowsky's Dune. Okay. I want the puppet of Chansey, the real puppet they used. Oh, I want, yeah. I want the real puppet of Chansey. It really is a good puppet. I really do like that. With the little, with the little top hat and the tiny bow tie, right? Oh, it's great. Oh, yeah. Okay, I could get behind that. Would it would it be like so you're saying you want the actual puppet, not a, yes. so not like a walk around character, you want like the actual prop in a case somewhere. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bulletproof gotcha. glass and everything. We can't let yeah. that we can't risk chance of getting stolen. Yes, this is in um this is the museum portion of the restaurant, which also includes what what do we have? Um the Dune from Jordorowski's Dune. What do we have? Zombie or Deadite Orson Welles constantly <laughs> eating is in there. We have, we have a bust of Colin Madman Trevorrow, don't we? We have there's well, a, there's no, a few things in the no, uh, in the museum no, fil- portion. No, different filmmakers get bust. That's not just that's not Ooh. just like I. Oh yeah, who else did we have? We have okay. 
It's not in the spreadsheet, unfortunately. Yeah, we'd have to. Okay, we have to dig through the spreadsheet. So, okay. I think Vernon Chapman gets one. You mean me? <laughs> yeah, well, you haven't figured. You haven't gotten that far yet in the timeline to figure that out. Yes, yes. As as we're running the Cinemati's restaurant, you know the the um, they're gonna. We could do like a time lapse every day. We take a picture of me. Every day we take a picture of the static bust. And we just see how they start to look more and more like each other. And I'm not saying I just get older and look more like the bust, but the bust also gets younger and meets me in the middle somewhere. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like some weird version of the picture of Dorian Gray. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think the only other thing I thought of uh, for snack was while I was scrolling through my notes. Um, it's, it's more of an event than a snack. But I know for, for a fact that one time Zach and I, with my mother, were in one of those big malls somewhere. And we went to, what was it, Johnny Rockets, where they dance and sung. Oh, yeah. Us. So I think we've talked a little bit about what do we do for people's birthdays at the Cinemati restaurant. And it involved um, the, the grenade, the, the, the phosphorus grenade from Annihilation. <laughs> but I was thinking, what if we had our characters, you know, in addition to like, you know, the, the Vox Lux animatronic music thing we have going on. What if we had our characters break out and do a rendition of the animal dance? Do you remember the animal dance sketch? The animal dance. The animal oh, dance. Yes. Everybody doing the animal dance. And it goes from, you know, we just see animals doing basic animal things to like, you know, snakes eating entire mice. We see mice with like giant tumors on them. We start to see rhinoceroses having sex. We start to see zebras degrade. So whatever, whatever we can do to adapt the animal dance from Wonder Shows in for our employees during the day and the dinner rush, and you better believe we're only going to make them dance when they're busiest. <laughs> That's what they're going to be doing. So that'll be like a little, uh, little event for, um, for the restaurant because we don't have enough, clearly. I, I like to think that everything's going on at once, and there's some people who, like, a waiter is in front of them going, the animal dance, the animal dance. And they're, like, pushing them out of the way, like, I want to see Vox Lux. I didn't, I've seen you do the damn animal dance. Show me Vox Lux now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's great. <laughs> All right, Zach, if there was nothing else for Wonder Shows in, then I guess we have to talk about where we're going from here, right? Oh, boy. Only three episodes left in the, uh, the fort month of sketch comedy. And I think next week, yes, next week we are continuing on with sketch comedy with The Whitest Kids You Know, which is also another name for the pairing of Zach and I. <laughs> but we're going to dive into that. And I, think, uh, I, I don't think we think, I think we know that, that one is a little more known than um, Wonder Chosen. And it's not as insane, so we'll get a little more into the grounded realm of things again as we talk about Whitest Kids You Know. Cool Are you excited, beats. Zach, for next week, for Whitest Kids I, You Know? I am not, but... I, I think you're always <laughs> excited. <laughs> I'm not excited going to bust. What, you're excited for what comes after that, when we get to have a birthday celebration on Cinemodities. Oh, uh, yeah, but we're going to keep that secret for right now. Definitely. The only thing people get to know is that it's a birthday celebration... So it will involve a phosphorus grenade. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach, I think we should stick with, uh, as we usually do, let's play some Wonder Shows and Intro in reverse. And I'll throw the uh, audio for the um, disclaimer Patience. right at the very end. Patience. 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 Okay, so say to the kids, Zach, I'm three. Say to the kids, it's important to be patient. One, 
two, three. Patience. That's, okay, just like that. One, two, three. <laughs> patience. All right, all right. So, yes, everybody, please have patience until next Monday when you'll hear from us again. Goodbye and goodbye. <laughs>